I loved her. So much that you killed her? You weren't there. You didn't see them. So they had to die because you got your feelings hurt? No. There was no thought, no plan. The courts understood. It was a crime of passion. It was murder. And you beat it. Did I? Do you have any idea what it's like to see my little daughter's face every day? See her mother looking back at me? She has no idea how her mother died. Yes, but she will. Because Katya's not going away. What does she want me to do? Kill myself, huh? But tell me. Tell me. How can I kill my little girl's father when I've already killed her mother, huh? Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. You just got to keep waiting. Are you still waiting to this day? Still waiting every night. Still waiting. <laughs> Are you describing my love life? <laughs> well, welcome to the show, we're everybody. Back. Uh, we're back, and we are doing episode uh, 6-8, season 6, episode 8, Justice, today. Uh, so we're really excited to talk about this episode. Uh, but, of course, it's still, you know, everyone's still in quarantine. We're still kind of adjusting to this, you know, new normal or whatever it is for now. Uh, so how, how's everybody doing? How are you guys doing? Eamon, how's your week been? Oh, my week <laughs> has been phenomenal. Uh, I got some delicious food yesterday from Ooh. a restaurant in Philadelphia called Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ah. Have either of you Ooh, ever good? been there? It is very good. I, That's a, I would you got a little fancy recommend. dinner, huh? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they have a um, like a menu, a takeout menu for these times we live in. Uh, so we had the the Wop Burger. The Whopper. Spelled W-A-P. Yep. Wow. Off of the new song, which, you know. <laughs> What's that stand know. for? I don't understand. That stands for uh, Wet Ass Pussy. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I, I don't know if, you know, calling a food item that is a good idea, but. Uh, <laughs> but it was good? I take it? Was, it? it was delicious. I would uh, highly recommend if you live in Philadelphia. <laughs> to get that burger <laughs> all right what did it have um, on it what were the accoutrements or was it like was it supposed to kind of be like a whopper uh i think that's the joke but i'm actually pulling up the ingredients oh, as I love it. we speak uh so let's see the whopper two five ounce patties of our freshly ground fss blend friday saturday sunday blend oh i see i see smokes bacon onion jam aged cheddar Preserved green tomatoes and spicy mayo on a cocoa bread anise bun. Interesting. Wow. All right. That's that's. I like fancy. the green tomato edition. I'm a big yeah. fan of like pickled green tomatoes. So. It is a seventeen dollar burger. Whoa. Oh boy! Whoa! Someone's a fancy boy. Yeah. Which it's you. <laughs> it's you. You're the Gen fancy boy. I am fancy. Generally, I'm opposed to a seventeen dollar burger, but this is actually um, worth it. I'd say. Yeah. interesting 
Did I assume it? Did it come with you know a, a French fry? It did not. No, oh, right. they, that cost right. extra. Interesting. Yeah, uh, they don't have French fries, which is an oversight, I think. Wait, the um, whole, wait, the the, the, whole the restaurant doesn't, doesn't, have, doesn't French have French fries? fries. Nope, they do not. All right. Uh, There's so, some interesting choices being made. Yeah, this is like kind of a a fancier restaurant. Uh, not to brag. Um, no potatoes allowed. That peasant food. Yeah. Well, what they do have is they had a grilled corn salad, mm. grilled corn tossed with charred shishitos and green yuzu served with a creamy corn puree. It was very oh, good. Th- that is indeed on the Burger King value menu too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Takes, a little, makes perfect takes sense. a little extra time. Uh, wow. That was good. I wish they did have French fries though. Um, I don't. If you have a burger, I think you should have fries. That's just. If you're gonna make, specifically if you're gonna make a Whopper pun, you need to. Yeah, make... I, I think if you if you draw that line that like no, we're a classy establishment. Like we don't mm-hmm. just have French fries, but we'll definitely mm-hmm. name this a kind of lewd uh, joke mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like I don't know about a fast food item. <laughs> yeah. And in lieu of this episode, Keith is just gonna read out the lyrics to WAP. Absolutely, I've got them With memorized. A bucket and a mop. Uh... <laughs> Very good. Uh, well, uh, you have sounds... to supply your own bucket and mop for this yeah. burger. Mm. Delicious, Damon. I, I don't know if we want to talk about the news, so I'll just leave that aside. But I also watched this. I want to talk about this real quick. Oh, the man I watched from Uncle. The Man from Uncle, which is based on a TV show starring Superman, the Lone Ranger, and Tomb Raider. Uh, <laughs> it's quite I a thought, team up. I thought this movie was pretty good. Uh, I heard it was pretty good. I, I didn't. I didn't hear many people talk about it when it came out, but I liked it. You should check what, it out. Did they do any sort of crossovers with the Man from Uncle and like Mission and Impossible Tomb Raider or Superman or oh, Mission Impossible? Yeah. Did I hear that that was going to be a thing? Oh, no? maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. That'd I remember cool reading about that like uh, I don't know a couple years ago now uh, that there was they were going to try to link those like TV universes up or whatever. So that would be cool. Yeah, I'm behind it. How was uh, Mr. Cavill's mustache? uh absent i guess they okay. cgi'd it out wait a minute uh, wait i thought he had a mustache for that movie he had a mustache for mission impossible whatever one he was in oh maybe that's why i'm getting these things confused that it was he was in both but he's different characters he's not playing the same character yeah like, mm-hmm. ah i see i see i see in the man from uncle he plays napoleon solo that's the character's name. <laughs> that sounds like that's like uh, he goes it alone, huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. he, he does. That seems like a real go-getter who plays yeah. by his own rules. Mm. He's a he's an art thief turned uh, government agent in lieu of his prison sentence. So it's kind of like a Suicide Squad esque. Mm. Makes sense to me. Or catch Cal- me if you can. Wow. That's right. It's good though. Everyone should check it out if they can. Very good. But the Blu-ray. <laughs> because that's what I that's what I do. Excellent. Kyle, how's your week you been? Did. What have you been up to? Uh mostly just settling in at the new job. I've been working a lot. Uh but that's okay. That's uh that's kind of what I signed up for. So that's been good. Uh and uh my wife made me a gluten-free lasagna and it didn't suck. So mm. I'm very, you know, impressed with that. Garfield. That's a thing that can apparently be done. What made wow. it gluten-free? Just gluten-free noodles? Gluten-free noodles. Also, uh, she made some kind of nut-based ricotta <laughs> oh, as yeah. part of it, which is interesting. I don't know. It worked. I ate a lot of it. I made some nut-based ricottas. Yeah? Yeah, they're good. Uh, yeah, I mean... Put it in it, a little baked ziti. 
Yeah, this is a similar concept. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, those are the big highlights from my week. Nothing with the splashy effect of the man from Uncle, but it's been pretty okay. Oh, uh, God. It's mm. true. Uh, how about you, Kiefer Sutherland? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think uh, in a previous episode, I mentioned that, like, my car broke down, I think. Yes. Uh, so this week, I've been, you know, I test drove a couple cars. And that sort of thing. So that's, like, quasi-fun, I guess, but, like, eh, whatever. Uh I don't know. So uh, now it's just time to, I guess, like pick a car and make the move. Uh, so it's like slightly stressful and, you know, trying to find a good deal out there uh, on something. So, but I don't know. That's been my week. Uh, you know, what, I don't know. I'm what? not like a car dude. So mm. like, what, like they all worked just fine. They turned on, they drove, they went right. Oh, you, you want, you want one of those fancy turning on cars? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's uh I don't like split hairs too much on this sort of stuff. So whichever one has a good deal will probably be the one I get. Um, Are you so. sticking in the Mazda, Mazda family? Uh, probably not. No, not the Mazda. Are you family. staying within the family of Juggalos? <laughs> That's, to buy, right. to That's buy the your only car? family I'm dedicated to. There you go, baby. That's right. The family. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they had the, the celebration uh, this year. You know, Eamon, that is a great segue because it's time to play the catalog game. And we're going to be talking about the Is there a celebration? Celebration, you bet. Seamless what? transition. Absolutely. Ugh. It's like we wrote it this way. It but wasn't even planned. Wow. Nope. And here we go, talking about it uh, instead of wow. just embracing the Let's transition see. and moving on. But that's okay. So anyway, we're going to play the catalog game. And the way this works, let's see how fast I can spit out the rules. I'm going to read uh, an item uh, description from the 1999 catalog. Eamon and Kyle are going to guess how much uh, that item costs in 1999. Whoever guessed closest within 20% of the retail value wins my respect for the episode and gets to give their opinion first. If they do not come within 20%, I win all the respect uh, that I never give myself anyway. And I guess I get to give my uh, opinion first. And it'll be great to relish in their losses. Um, True, so, that's the real point. <laughs> so anyway, last, uh, last time we played the game, I read uh, the description for Celebration Snapshots. Uh, and this week we're going to continue that tradition because since we're wrapping up the, uh, you know, season six, uh, at the end of season six, there was what was called the Highlander Celebration, uh, which I believe was in Anaheim. Uh, and it was this huge, pretty awesome uh, convention. I've heard, I don't know, seemingly like legendary things about it. It seemed like a great time. Uh, so I'm going to read a description of the rap party of a lifetime the celebration video you guys ready let's do it all right well let me get it up on the screen so everybody can see it here we go boom there it is oh what the fuck is that (laughs) yeah that is a choice that was made right there the rap party of a lifetime i don't know why rap party is in quotes because it does seem to be a rap party. Um, I don't but it's know. Not, well, yeah. I guess I it's guess not so. the on the set rap party. Anyway, we'll that's I guess the real rap party. Yeah. Relive the Highlander convention with our celebration video. If you missed the Highlander convention, here's your chance to experience what 3,000 Highlander fans lived for three magical days last April. Our masterfully edited 60-minute convention video captures a classic gallery of highlights featuring all of the Highlander stars as they stepped out. Uh, from behind the screen and met face-to-face with you, the fans. See Roger Daltrey in drag. Peter Wingfield sprawled upon the casting couch. Uh, And of course, yeah, and of course, Adrian Ball igniting a firestorm of hot flashes among the female contingent. Whoa. Uh, 
plus this is a loon party is this is this just a key party is that what this is maybe was is it misspelled is it supposed to be wop party (laughs) yeah it was it was uh it was a very it had a lot of foresight it saw the future it foresaw cardi b yep uh, plus, dozens of fan interviews and countless other unforgettable outtakes in a director's caliber video that truly honors the spirit of the convention. You missed it once, don't miss out again. Uh, wow. The celebration video also includes these and other classic convention highlights. Blues performance by Jim Burns and his band, including a guest singing appearance from Roger Daltrey. Dynamic blow-by-blow sword demonstration from Highlander Swordmaster Efron McGash. Candid audience-generated Q&As with every Highlander star. Wild charity auction footage, including Duncan McLeod's convertible T-Bird fetching $61,000. That's pretty cool. convention clips and more. I should have uh, locked out that price and you could have guessed how much the convertible went for. Yeah. So there we go. That's the wrap party of a lifetime, the Highlander official convention video from 1998. Damn. So what, what do we think of this whole description? What do we think of this this box art? Uh, uh, the box art, I don't I don't know what that is. Is that supposed to be like a neon sign or something? That I is don't a, know. That is it's a generic so... filter on Photoshop that you just hit like one button and it does that. <laughs> so uh, it's not a good look. It's really bad. Yeah. I wish they filmed the show like that. Oh, the whole too. show. <laughs> yeah. Every episode. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, it sounds cool. I don't know if I want to watch um, fan interviews on a tape, but uh, I think that'd be okay. As as what, as, a, as, a, as an mean, organization fan? that has conducted fan interviews, I think it's okay. <laughs> I don't I think just, this tape has fan interviews. It has fans asking questions. Of no, it stars. Says, no, it says dozen, fan interviews. Dozens of fan interviews. Dozens. Really? Yeah, dozens. 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 So I'm just saying. That's, that's tw- minimum 24, right? It is yeah. minimum 24. Do we think there's 20, at least 24? Wow, this is a lot. I'm just saying, I'm not opposed to fan interviews, but if I'm paying whatever this ends up being mm-hmm. for 60 minutes, I want the big boys. I went to Jim Burns. I went to Daltrey. I went to Adrian Paul. I went to the Peter Wingfield. I want all the others and the rest, as it were. And were. the rest. <laughs> yeah, you, want the, you want the more? And more. And more. More, more, please. More, more, more. Well, Eamon, you, you don't get more. You get what's here. How much would you pay for it? <laughs> so I, for this WAP party video, I would pay. <laughs> what's, what it's, I'm guessing what I think they're asking for. Not, yeah, you're, I'm not you're, saying what I'm paying. True uh, enough. Right. You can also let us know how much you'd pay if you'd like. Oh, sure. If I'd, you pay, want. I'd pay upwards of... <laughs> Five dollars for this tape. <laughs> uh, wow, <laughs> interesting, huh? Uh, no, I, I, I'd shell out at least twenty, probably. Okay. Uh, but I think they're asking twenty nine ninety nine for this. All right, twenty nine ninety nine. You know, Mr. I think Yeah. How much do you think it is? All right, I think Eamon's in the right ballpark. I'm gonna guess twenty four ninety nine is the is the actual retail price. I mean, if that T bird went for sixty one thousand, this tape surely goes for twenty five. This is an exciting uh, an exciting reveal. Uh, you guys both lose. I'm so sorry. Whoa. Actual retail retail price is nineteen ninety five. Uh, so the cutoff on the high end, Kyle, you just missed it. Just 20, missed it. Twenty three ninety four. Uh, Damn. 
So what I think is kind of interesting, though, about this uh, costing 20 bucks, I don't think 20 bucks is uh, a bad price to ask. No, for. this that sounds, seems, no. This sounds like okay. what you'd pay. Yeah. For uh, but I like do this. think, do you guys remember uh, how much the last item cost that I read, the, the photos from this? Oh, oh, yeah, the high glossy photos yeah. in the folder. That was more than this, right? It was the exact same price. Oh, and, it was the exact and same it's price. like we took screenshots from this video. Yeah. So I guess I, I just, I don't know why I would get the screenshots of the video when I could just own the video. Uh, you might not know. always be near a VCR, but if you That's take true. that folder with you, you yeah, can you relive just, the celebration anytime. You could live that lo-fi life out in a mm -hmm. park looking at the photos. That's mm -hmm. true. And I do suppose those subway. photos probably do look a lot better than the tape does because it, it did say they took it from the master. So I'm sure that is Ooh. higher quality than the VHS transfer. But I just assumed the master was a person. The master. <laughs> the master. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's a good movie. Mm. It is a good movie. Jaquan Phoenix, as somebody said. Joaquin Jaquan. Somebody said Jaquan. Really? And I was like, nope, that's not a name. Huh, interesting. Finally oh, interesting. I finally saw Joker the other day. Oh. Ooh, what do you think? <laughs> yep, that's what I it, thought. Honestly, it got a it gets a big shrug from me. <laughs> I, I thought it was an I thought it was a movie queer. I thought it was a, a pretty pretty good movie. I thought it was okay. I'm like, okay, this is a fine use of my time. Yeah. But like I did not understand why people were falling nope. all over it. Nope. Yeah, neither. People were goo goo gaga over it. Also, like, I've seen this movie twice. I've seen Taxi Driver, and I've seen The King of Comedy. Like, Joker is just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very, very true. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mush these together. Mm, no mush. And I, I will say, there are a few bits of casting I, I dislike more than Robert De Niro as basically Jay Leno. <laughs> I it just, just seems really unnatural. It was just the weirdest bit of casting. I did not yeah. like it at all. Mm -mm. I guess he's probably supposed to be more like a Carson than a yeah. Leno, but either way, it's not great. You think this is okay, murdering these people? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think they should have cast, Conan? Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think I would have wanted Conan in it either. Oh, okay. But Conan. like a fake Conan, sure. <laughs> Uh, anyway, side note. My Rogan? side note. There we go. Now we see someone who I plausibly believe is like a like a stand-up. Yeah. But or uh, Joe Pesci. Ah, Pesci. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, him in a movie in a while. Is he retired? He was in The Irishman. Ah, you know, I still haven't seen The Irishman. Uh, mostly because it is so long. Uh, yeah, that's why I haven't like, seen it either. It's I like, do I, do I have I can... three and a half hours yeah. for this? What is this? The movie Troy? <laughs> I like the Irishman. I've heard good things. I like Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's great. It's good, except for the horrible de-aging technology. Ooh. It takes a lot to, to suspend your disbelief in that movie. Oh, no. That's too bad. Yeah. Speaking of things that I have that a hard time suspending good. my disbelief on, justice! <laughs> That's justice. right, another fantastic transition. So, let's get into this episode. This week we are talking about Season 6, Episode 8, Justice. This episode was first aired November 23rd, 1997. Uh, so, I guess this is the, uh, the Thanksgiving episode. Mm. Right? <laughs> sure. What are you thankful for? I don't know. There's, a bunch, of tur there's a bunch of turkeys in this episode. Uh, this was directed by Richard Martin, friend of the show. This is his seventh of nine episodes. Uh, so Ooh, this season- That's was, a hot Borg. 
Yeah. Uh, so Seven that's right. Work. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, this season, we've seen Armageddon, uh, Diplomatic Immunity, and Black Tower from Mr. Richard Martin. Uh, the writer of this was, Eamon, you love saying this name, so I'll give it to you. Yes, sir. It's uh, shit. <laughs> Michael, oh. Michael Mahoney and Sasha Reigns. That's right. And, and Sasha Reigns. That's right. Uh, so this is their six of six episodes. They always wrote together. They're like writing partners or perhaps a couple. I'm not sure uh, what the deal is. Yeah. Um, so since this is their last episode, I thought I'd do a little roundup of all the episodes we've seen from them. Uh, so Chivalry. Mm, yeah. Chivalry. Chivalry. Uh, Methuselah's Gift. Methuselah. Mm. Still Gift. <laughs> Till death, good one. Uh, dramatic license, uh, Stone mm. of Scoon, and mm. Justice. Uh, so that's not what, too bad. That's, yeah, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good, good run. Uh, and I remember pretty good average. Was Michael O'Mahony the one? Uh, it's I'd have to look back to my notes. Uh, was he the one who wrote a lot of Heathcliff episodes? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Or that's like some cartoons, and we were like very puzzled. Like, how did he get hooked up with the show? And then I think we were also really impressed that like he wrote Methuselah's Gift, which was his second episode. And was like, wow, you'd expect an episode like this to be written by maybe David Tynan or someone else. Uh, but no, I think uh, they did a great job uh, as a writing team. I don't know. These are these are pretty good episodes, I think. Uh, especially yep, the funny ones. Spectre Gadget. Spectre Gadget. Planet. Wow. Camp but- Candy. <laughs> uh, there is one more episode from them uh, in The Raven. So this is their final uh, for the highlight of the series. But one more in The Raven. So The Raven. The Raven. So... When you asked the question, is he the Heathcliff guy? I wrote Heathcliff and then the letter M. And the first thing that came up was, is Heathcliff mixed race? <laughs> what? Was what came up on Google. Was Heathcliff mixed race? Uh... What race is? <laughs> I have no idea what could uh... possibly spur someone to Google that. I'm assuming it's a different Heathcliff. I'd hope so. Cat. I mean, he's an orange cat with black stripes, right? Is that... A confusing thing for some viewer. What's going on? Wait. Is he part tiger? <laughs> <laughs> Weird. All right. So. Oh, it's about Emily Bronze Heathcliff. Oh, wonderful. Interesting. All right, let's talk guest stars. We got Justina Vale as Katya. Uh, she's been in lots. Uh, she was Doctor Odessa Vexman in Superboy. That 1991. Uh, it was a short-lived show. Kind of fun. What though. a name. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Odessa it's- Vexman. Vexman, which is wasn't that uh Bill Murray's character in Ghostbusters? Yeah, yeah. Vexman. <laughs> Dr. Vexman. Um, she's also appeared in the X Files, Seinfeld. Uh, she was in the movie Jerry Maguire, uh, and she was uh, on General Hospital for a bit. So nice, Justina Vale. Um, this, <laughs> this episode also guest stars Grant Russell as Armando Baptista. Um, he was the character Carney in Double Team with Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hey, how about that? Mm, nice. Uh, he also appeared in the show Queen of Swords, which shares a lot of the same Ooh. like producing talent as Highlander, like David Abramowitz and Ken Gord. So uh, I think he was maybe a friend of one of them or something like that. Uh, so, or knew them in some way. So that's cool. And then finally, this episode also guest stars. I thought this was worth mentioning. It's a small part, but Godfrey James as Lord Frederick Godfrey. Uh, and so he's like the, the king or lord guy in this episode, whatever he is. Uh, mm-hmm. But he was Charles Browning. I don't know if you remember that character in Counterfeit Part 1. 
He was Ooh. like that hunter, like that trapsman hunter right. guy. And he fucking went, like, remember he had like a turn and he was like super jovial. And we're like, oh, we love this guy. And then he goes berserk. Oh, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. What wow. Duncan's sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Uh, but this guy is a fantastic voice. Uh, oh, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. He's, he's a great performance. What, what a pull. Yeah. What yeah. a pull. Uh, so you guys ready for the IMDb what a pull. description? Yeah. Uh-oh. Here we go. Hit it. Duncan has a new fencing partner who invites him out to lunch. Shortly mm, thereafter, sounds, that sounds nice. Yeah. yeah. Shortly thereafter, Duncan foils an attempt by another immortal. Ooh, Katya, foils is that a, pensi- a fencing pun? Oh, oh. Great. I bet it's not. Uh, to kill his partner, amid two different sides of the story, Duncan struggles to find the truth. Amid two different sides of the story. Yep, he's admitted. It's, it's a very similar story as we're going to come to learn it's very close <laughs> yeah one, one might say they're identical stories yeah just with key details left out perhaps intentionally uh so <laughs> yeah. very strange interesting all right so let's uh let's talk about how this opens so we open on a like a rooftop and it's all kind of very mysterious we just see someone walking with this like very long briefcase uh and it's being like i kind of like the way this is edited because me too. We later find out it's Katya, and she's walking to get like her, I guess, like sniping position, but it's being intercut with her actually like assembling her weapon. I kind of like the way this is put together. I think it was cool. Uh oh, Kyle's laughing. Just so I think that they saw, like, obviously, like the assassin putting together like the rifle is like a classic movie sequence. Sure. And then Highlander like kind of played with that concept with the assemblable sword. Mm. which is like really dumb like as a concept is really dumb if you think about it too hard but visually it rules and like you just go with it because it's like fun yep yeah they were like oh we can do that again with something else like a crossbow (laughs) but with a crossbow it's fucking dumb (laughs) (laughs) like her putting together a scoped crossbow when i realized that's what she was putting together i laughed out loud (laughs) and then i was expecting for the remainder of the episode, some kind of callback to the crossbow. Like, it's such a thing for her to have. Like, ah, she's a crossbow-wielding warrior in some right. way. W- what is the origin of this crossbow thing? Or at least are we ever going to see her in the past? You right, know, like as when an it archer? Was, when, when a crossbow was fucking relevant. Right. <laughs> like, when are we yeah. going to see her carrying one? Never happens. Mm. <laughs> it's a, it's a present-day-only crossbow. You know all about that wearing that robe, Kyle, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I, I use that Wookiee bowcaster, baby. Right. <laughs> Shoot Kylo Ren with it. <laughs> it's a real weakness, though, that weapon that all you need to do is punch your wound and then you're fine. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, movies turned out great. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was surprised to see when she put together this weapon was she brought one, one... arrow. Uh, one uh excuse yep. me keith excuse me keith excuse me keith i know i'm so sorry not an arrow uh-huh. a bolt. bolt it's a crossbow bolt it's a crossbow bolt keith we'll get there god a, damn it. it's a cross bolt cross bolt <laughs> uh, so <laughs> while she's putting this uh weapon together inside we cut to this like I guess it's a fencing hall or something. It's this grand location. It, it literally uh, just looks like a mansion. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is so this place? We just see that two people are fencing. Uh, we don't know who they are, uh, but eventually they take off their masks. And who is it? Duncan McLeod and Baptista. That's right. 
and they reveal that they did not introduce each other by name before having a very elaborate fencing match. Yeah. Like, it's like we've, we've not been formally introduced, and they like it's, take it. it's like what, what? Yeah, it's very odd. And he uh, says he fenced uh, in the 1984 for Argentina, Argentina in the 1984 Olympics. So he's got like some cred. And then he's like Mac, like who have you fenced for? And Mac's like, oh, I gave up my uh, you know amateur status or whatever a long time ago. I thought that was kind of funny, uh, but. It is kind of basically shitting in that guy's face. Yeah. Although, (laughs) also, does that what does that mean? Just that he doesn't fence anymore, or that he's a professional fencer because he's not amateur anymore? Well, I think it means because he can't. At that time, professionals were not allowed to compete in the Olympics. So I think he's just saying that, like, oh, I, I, I'm not an amateur anymore. I, I do this. I don't know. I think he's saying he's too good to. But it's because he decapitates people for a living. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um. So anyway, they have a grand old time, and the guy's like, "You should have lunch with me." And it's like, what? Like Mac refuses at first. He's like, "No, my house in two hours. Get there." It's like, okay, two hours. (laughs) I leave my card. So this is like an early morning fencing bout. If they're gonna be going to lunch in about two hours, right? Yeah, gotta stay fit. That's right, gotta stay fit. Your morning workout, right? And if you want a weird mansion that Mac goes to fence in. Yeah. Everybody used to fence in Charlie's gym, yeah. and now he's fencing in, like, palatial estates. <laughs> he's moving on up. If you want a picture of Duncan in this fencing outfit, get the uh, Season 6 <laughs> special VHS set. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It'll yep. be all over the place. So, so after they're done – sorry, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, no, no, no. Just uh, during the fencing match, we occasionally see through the crosshairs of not a sniper rifle, a crossbow – uh as she's kind of watching this match and uh mac leaves with like his insane horizontal rectangle shades but she's focusing in on the other guy batista right and so at this point mac gets the buzz so now we're confirming that ah this woman on the roof is an immortal Uh uh-oh can we talk about what this woman on the roof looks like please and or her haircut maybe there's a, there's a lot of stuff in the uh, commentary on the haircut. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's her, it's a, a hideous haircut. <laughs> it is the most hideous haircut. It's like a penis mullet. <laughs> like, it is awful. It is, I can't say, like, it's so severe. It's just like, meow. Uh, like, the, the worst bangs ever banged. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, pun intended for later in this episode. With just like this weird flowing hair in the back, it is not good. I don't know who okayed this. I so do. It's, uh, it's Marla, Marla Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Marla Ginsburg. She insisted okay, we do know on this haircut. This was a very important uh, part of the character for her. Uh, and apparently, I guess she was up on the fashion of the time and was like, "This character needs to have a fashionable haircut." Uh, mm. so. What a scathing indictment of the '90s. <laughs> it's ugh, yeah. it's it's a horror show. Wow. Uh, so anyway, uh, after the buzz, Mac, like, I guess, runs teleports. to investigate. Yeah, he teleports because he appears on a roof seconds later. And yeah, so but she, like, how does he know that she's up there? Like, I think he does. Does he spot her from the ground? Like, I think he might see her. He I think sees he runs her and up. plays it cool. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. He instant transmissions up there and like, yeah. uh, 
you know, she's obviously surprised to see him. Yeah, I also like this. As soon as he gets up there, he's like, we haven't been formally introduced. I'm Duncan McLeod. And I was like, you just said we have not been formally introduced a second ago. Like, second is that ago, the yeah. theme to of another the guy. Is that the theme of the episode, formal introductions? Like, we <laughs> yes. can't, you can't put that line that close to the other line. It's weird. But, uh, so it he introduces weird. himself, and then she fucking blasts him in the, the shoulder with uh, the crossbow. So, yikes. And she warns him, like, Get the fuck out of my way. I have no beef with you. But if you do it again, you know, we're going to have some trouble. Bum, bum, bum. And he's like, oh, my lucky day. <laughs> and that's it. That's our cold open. So we. It's our stone cold open. Yeah. So the, the pieces are set. We know there's an assassin on the loose looking for Armando, and Mac is getting in the way. So that's the setup for the episode, right? As Mac is wont to do. All right, so let's move on. We now we cut. cut to some ADR, baby. <laughs> so now we're at Armando's like mansion, which I had so many questions. I was like, even before he like gets into like a limo, basically, like he has like a driver and a car, and I was like, this guy's an amateur fencer. What like this guy's fucking loaded? Uh, yeah, well, that that doesn't surprise me. I guess so. That, I, I that do people... suppose a rich person would take this up as a hobby, right? Yeah, like I bet if you. If you took the uh, <laughs> the socioeconomic status of World Quest fencers, I don't think you're gonna see like a lot of like hard scrabble up and comers. <laughs> it's gonna be like the scions of the wealthy elite. Mm. He's a newspaper man. That's right. And so he's on the phone, and this dialogue is pretty incredible. Find a second source. It's like what, Find a second what are you talking source. about? Pay him if you have to, but nail it down. Yeah, and they're talking about corruption and some other stuff, right? And so, yeah, we're, well, I don't know, we're trying to piece together, like, what's this guy's deal? Uh, are, are you going to try to piece together whether this will ever become relevant? It doesn't. <laughs> is that supposed to be, like, a misdirect? Like, you're supposed to think this is, like, some kind of espionage or, like... That's what I was the thinking. The stakes are really high, but in reality, it ends up being, like, a very small family strife situation. Is yeah. that what we're supposed to, they're supposed I, to play with? I think it's also supposed to be a misdirect, like, because there's some, there's some dialogue here about, like, you know, are they looking for me or, like, they're, I don't know. What is, what is the line? Uh, I don't know. They're worried about, like, someone finding him. Oh, well, you tell those bastards where they can find me is, like, yeah. kind of the end of the phone call. And I think we're supposed to suspect at this point, like, oh, like, because Mac ends up showing up and being like, they already found you. Here's this crossbow thing. Uh, so I think it's supposed to be that, oh, maybe uh, Kachio has been sent by some organization or something to kill him for some deed or whatever. Right. Uh, and I guess, like, the nature of his dialogue, like, could kind of go either way. Like, I guess he's a newspaper man, so, like, maybe it's good. But he's talking about, like, corruption and paying people. Like, it's not clear, like, is he on the side of the angels or not? Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of what it's supposed to be. Um, hmm. So anyway... <laughs> yeah and anyway the entire thing just sounds like the dialogue is coming from another planet like i don't know oh, like yeah. just like the way the dialogue sits is just it, so it Mac shows, yeah disembodied so max shows up with this crossbow bolt and he's like i think they already found you and it's a, you pulled that out of your fucking arm a half hour ago <laughs> went home and took a shower to get rid of all the blood and then mm -hmm. came back yeah so armando's like you mean someone tried to shoot me with this arrow and then Eamon, what's Mac's problem with this? Oh, uh, it's not an arrow. It's a crossbow bolt. Oh, my fucking God. Hey, Eamon, what's, that, what's the pointy thing on the end of the bolt called? 
an uh, arrow an, an arrow arrow head. head yeah, yeah that's it's a fucking arrow god damn bolt, it and it's fine if you say head. it's a bolt because it goes on a crossbow what the fuck is this dialogue <laughs> it's not a arrow it's a bolt shut up it's man. a bolt it's a bolt <laughs> do, 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 do. meanwhile this is cut with just a rope being thrown over a wall <laughs> to this compound yeah. It's just like, and it looks like the whole time I'm like, what is that anchor to? It just like flops over the other side of the wall. And and we missed, he has like a little daughter that he's like ignoring while he's on the phone. <laughs> That's true. Right. Uh, so he tells her to like go play with her like little toy dog. Corgi, corgi it's a little corgi toy. doll. Yeah. And so she goes off kind of onto the grounds. This place is absolutely huge and I guess mm-hmm. beautiful. It's all these like kind of hedge mazes and gardens. And, it's very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, rich as shit, this guy is. Um, so she ends up, I guess, uh, you know, stumbling across Katya, right? Yep. Yes. And they, it, uh-oh, they immediately recognize each other. Like, yes. she is not a stranger. Mm-mm. Uh, and they like kind of embrace and start talking. And they talk about like, oh, like is your dog is like a royal dog because like the queen has this dog or has lots of these dogs. And so that's their little banter or whatever. And she's like, it's a secret that I'm here, like, shh, or whatever, right? Yeah. And then I'm gonna be like, who is this assassin who only works at high noon? <laughs> also, like, she brought one crossbow bolt again, one. <laughs> What's the plan? To, to kill him with one crossbow bolt. I guess so. It didn't go well last time. Well, she blew, she blew it on Mac, but... <laughs> she blew it. She also has her sword somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. It's wow. like... She doesn't even have anywhere that's capable of hiding the sword. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't even, like, try on yeah. this one. Like, obviously, like, Mac's trench coats could never really hide that sword, but, like, it at least gives them plausible deniability. This is a huge sword, literally nowhere to put it. Yep. Yeah. Just this, this part actually confused me. So we end up cutting kind of back to lunch, and Mac is talking about, like, you know, someone's after you or whatever, and this guy is, like, completely refusing to believe Mac for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know if it's just to, like, get Mac off the trail of what he, like, maybe he knows Katja's looking for him or something. I just couldn't figure it out because in the literally in the scene before he's like you tell those bastards like he clearly thinks someone's mad at him and maybe after him and then mac is like here's some proof of that and he's like no that's not proof and it's like well what was the phone conversation for like i ended up feeling i felt confused about how we're supposed to read all these scenes like uh, does he think mcleod's in on it or something i think you'd be very suspicious if the guy you just met shows up to lunch with a fucking crossbow bolt and is like someone's trying to kill you be skeptical of yeah that. it's like That's it's weird. probably me like how the fuck did you get that thing man yeah like, very weird yeah like call the cops also. <laughs> right. uh so matt gets the buzz and he's like oh shit like you got to get out of here or whatever and so they go on a look on the grounds uh for katya uh, but Mac only finds Mia, and I guess he kind of scares her by asking her a bunch of, like, intense Where's the detonator? <laughs> she wouldn't give it to a citizen. <laughs> uh, Swear to me. So Mac busts out his sword and goes kind of looking around the grounds. Again, I have no idea where the sword comes from because he is wearing, like, nothing to hide it in. But, nope. uh, so he ends up finding Katya, and they have, like, a, a short little sword fight here. Uh, what did you guys think of her sword? I thought it was cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's the I, same I, sword she uses later. No, it's no. not. Which is yeah, kind of a bummer. Weird. Uh, which is weird. Yeah. But, but I thought it was a, like I, I don't think we've ever seen a sword like that on the show. And I was like, oh, cool. What's this about? And you're right, Kyle. Uh, it's not the sword she fights with later. And it's just like, oh, I thought she was gonna have a cool, unique weapon. 
Nope. 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 I mean, other than a crossbow. Other than a crossbow. I don't know. Uh, so while they fight, Mac ends up getting the upper hand. This is, this is a cool fight, I actually think. Yeah. I thought they did a good job with this. Totally. Um, and so Mac asks her, why are you trying to kill Armando? And she says, because he killed Elena. And now we get a flashback, I guess. Uh, to Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. I think this is a great flashback. Would you guys be cool if we played it? Sure. You think this is a great flashback? I do. I, lo- I like the way this Interesting. is. Interesting. Oh, all right. Well, then Go this on. is perfect that we're going to play it because we can talk about it. Wonderful, guys. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Very is good. That right. Some kind of Count Chocula? Mmm. Blah, blah. I love chocolate. That's right. All right, here we go, guys. This I don't know is, why uh, it's Russian. Mac finding out who Elena is. Why are you trying to kill Armando Baptista? Because he killed Elena. Elena. Who was Elena? She was my daughter. I found Elena Moreno in Buenos Aires. Millions of people. And she was alone, barely surviving. She was only six years old. You should have seen her. She was tiny, starving, begging for scraps, living on other people's garbage. There was something in her eyes, something that reached out and grabbed my soul. All she knew was her name and that her parents didn't want her. I couldn't walk past her. Sometimes I would make believe that she was part of my own flesh and blood. And maybe because I could never have children of my own, I wanted to be the best mother in the world. I wanted to give her back some of what she had given me. to grow up she was beautiful and when she was old enough I told her the truth about me we kept moving so that the world wouldn't know I wasn't getting any older I went from being her mother to being her older sister to her younger sister but she was always my little girl Sorry, Kyle. Kick us off because obviously you've got thoughts on this. I got a lot of thoughts on this. Wow. All right. First off, this is the only meaningful flashback in the entire episode. Our other flashback is to 1996, I think, in this in this episode. So this is it. This is all we get. One that medieval. Oh, that's right. Oh, we do have the medieval. We do get the the medieval one. Uh, I actually kind of forgot about that. But regardless. Like, it's just a voiceover. It is. Like, it's just a two-minute long voiceover. And I don't know if they're trying to develop, like, this, like, almost like a telenovela theme for this episode. I feel like it's something they're trying to develop because, like, there's a lot of melodrama and, like, there's all this guitar music and, like, lots of betrayal (laughs) in, like, the context of this. I was like, okay, we've already seen a better version of this. It was called Duende. Uh... But I don't know. I I was immediately lost in just the like who is Elena? 
And then instead of us getting to see a relationship develop, she just tells us. And I'm right. like, oh, okay, this was kind of a waste. And we just get to see her get three weird haircuts. <laughs> because all of her haircuts throughout history are in- apparently insane. Uh, starting with that, like, platinum blonde thing she was rocking in 58. But in any case, I don't know. This whole thing feels like a missed opportunity. It had no emotional punch for me because it's just like hearing her talk about, oh, this person's really important, but we don't really see anything. We see her blow out a candle. Cool. Interesting. Like, I, so I like this flashback a lot. I kind of like that it's a montage. I think that's really effective. Uh, and I mean... I might agree with you to a bit that it's a missed opportunity to like explore some of this stuff more. And my favorite part, like my absolute favorite part about this flashback is just the notion that like, she was my daughter. Mm -hmm. Then I was her older sister. Then I was her younger sister. I'm like, this is great. Like, this is like primo Highlander content. Like this is the stuff that like Highlander excels at, like exploring Mm -hmm. like kind of weird relationships like that. Like, what does that look like? Uh, I mean, I think like the original movie even kind of deals with that. Uh, on a very small level when you know Connor rescues uh, his secretary the little girl and it's like oh she's a little girl and now she's like an old woman like and that maybe she's in love with him and like what is that all about like how does your dynamic change over the years I think that's really cool Uh, I don't know I I appreciated that this was like a little montage and I thought encapsulated what this relationship was and I get that maybe we don't get to see it we only get to hear about it uh, which is maybe a bummer but I think it was okay Uh, I don't know, huh? I like Amen. all the like. I, I think they did a good job with like the set decorate. Like, I think they did a good job making all these places look like you know we're maybe in Argentina or wherever. So, what do you think, Eamon? Uh, I thought it was fine. Uh, I think it's funny that she's like she was living on other people's garbage. Oh, she calls her daughter, soon to be daughter, a street urchin. It's like yeah. Jesus Lord. I found this piece of garbage on the street. And I decided to raise her as my own. (laughs) This piece of trash. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like that that's the impression of her. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So then very quickly after this, we get a second flashback to 1996 in Buenos Aires, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, like separated by one sentence in the present. Yeah, and it's just kind of Mac doing like a little twirly twirl. Uh, So this is just to kind of bridge these two uh, flashbacks, I guess. They didn't want one going right into the other. So we're in 1996, Buenos Aires, and we see like a body being removed uh, from um, Katja's home. And I guess she says like Armando Baptista has shot her baby. Um, And her and Elena are traveling in an ambulance together. And she's like, am I dying? And then she dies. (laughs) So yikes grim uh so yes. that's like the deal so all also, we know at this point is that katya has got this daughter that she loves a whole lot and we know that armando has killed her uh yep. that's it right and we also know that sometimes it seems like she has an accent and other times it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> because it comes and goes like the weather so mac then asks uh Katya some I guess questions about like why didn't you go to the police all this sort of stuff and she's like well I did uh I thought it was a little rude of Mac to be like why didn't you go to the police it's like Jesus Mac like I don't know give her some credit she probably did um but uh she says that oh in Argentina a man who you know knows people was able to get off or whatever and so she thinks this whole thing is just corrupt and the only reason he was let off the hook for this murder is just because he's like a rich dude who's connected right 
Makes yep. sense to me. And she's like, my little girl will have justice. Justice. Mm. The name of the episode. That's the name of the episode. Wow. But do I have a reasonable doubt the name <laughs> of the other episode? Or is there a witness to this crime? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take back the night. Mm. Yeah. Because that is kind of what The sins doing. of the father, right? Armando, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Mm. The sins of the father. Right. So, anyway, uh, very good. So now we're we're uh, we cut a little bit later. I guess we're still on Armando's property, and he's talking to his daughter Mia, mm-hmm. and he's you know being like, "Hey, sorry if you were scared." Blah blah blah. And Mia did says, that weird like, fencing creep I invited to the house scare you? Yeah, this total stranger I just met this, this morning. <laughs> did you see her? Where was she? <laughs> uh, so Mia's like, "Oh, my like little dog is like royalty," and Armando's like. Where'd you hear that from? Like, and he kind of is playing along. He's like, did the queen tell you? Did the king tell you? Uh, and then fucking me is an idiot. And she's like, no, fucking Aunt Katya told me. Oops. Whoops. Uh, so she blows it instantly. Um, he's like, Jose, ugh, lock up the house. Get her. Find her. This Jose guy sucks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jose, yeah. this was another instance where I was like, what is this guy's deal? He has like a bodyguard. Yeah. And I guess I was like, do, I mean, do all rich people have bodyguards? Do all newspaper people have bodyguards? Or do, or do all like fucking creepy weirdos that are maybe involved in like criminal Crime. activity have like goons around? Like, so once again, I don't know. I was like, I'm not tracking what this guy's deal is. Like, Having an armed bodyguard like this maybe seems nefarious uh, based on just some of the stuff we've seen from this guy. Yeah. It's a, uh, what do you and we that? also know he killed, you know, uh, Katja's daughter. So something doesn't seem right. Uh, yes. Right. Correct. Okay. So he tells Jose, I guess, to find Katja. Like, what's the deal with that? And like, dig up whatever you can on this Duncan McLeod dude. Because we have no idea who this dude is who just like showed up in our lives. Uh, and is seemingly in the middle of this personal situation i have uh mm. yeah so then we cut to uh a, another black tower uh <laughs> i was like oh it's the black tower again uh, is this the same black tower as last time it is not not mm. the same black tower no they they scouted a whole new loca- location and a whole new black tower so this is Armando, armando's office building i guess uh and so Mac is waiting for him, like, in his office. And Armando shows up, and he's like, I have no fucking time to talk to you, man. And it's like, huh? Like, you guys were just, like, BFFs a second ago. I no, they were like, I didn't invite they... him over for lunch. Yeah, but then he was immediately a creep, and he asked him to leave. I guess so. They were hitting it off, it seemed. I've got I, believe, a... I believe in their friendship, but still, yeah. it might still have, still have left. It was that, that crossbow bolt comment <laughs> that Mac made. Yeah. Let's just let's just pause for a second. If sure. like you were at dinner with somebody or lunch or whatever, and like you called something an arrow, and they corrected you like that and called it, no, it's actually a crossbow bill. I'd be like, yeah, lunch is over. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's so petty. And right. like, I'm like, do I really want to spend any more time with this pedantic asshole? <laughs> yeah, it's not but, good. Shots yeah, fired. Anyway, yeah. Bolts fired. Yeah, bolts yeah, fired. Actually, not arrows. Absolutely not arrows. More like lightning bolts, right? Highlander. Yeah. Oh. Yikes. Um, so anyway, Mac, to get this guy's attention, just says the name Elena uh, Moreno, right? And he's mm. like, uh-oh, like, come oh. into my office. because I guess But make time. sure he's comfortable. Right. And so yeah, they, I, thought that was, I thought he was telling the guy to beat him up. 
Just oh, like, just... I thought that's what that line was. I was like, uh-oh, we're about to get a karate fight. And it didn't happen, actually. He just frisks, frisks, frisks him, baby. Frisks. Yeah, there's a little frisking. There's, I think, does Matt kind of make a gay joke about, like, hey, patting down there? And it's like, all right, bud. Like, He's like, you said comfortable. Right. Um, what is that? Well, I, I don't get what the joke is. I don't just either. Just that he's, like, getting in, his, getting in his space. Exactly. Yeah, I think he's, like, downstairs. And that's, yeah. you know... So Mac has like a boner while he's doing it, and he's like, "Well, he said get comfortable, your hand." Uh, anyway, okay. so they go into uh, Armando's office, which is absolutely gigantic. It's like the biggest office ever. The ceiling is like fifty feet tall. Um, I don't know what he does in this office, but I guess newspaper things. Who knows? Uh, so Armando, I guess, reveals like some details. Like, hey, Mac, I know about you too now. Uh, which is weird this whole plot i was like oh is this gonna be relevant no yeah i, I don't quite understand so he's like mac was born in 1962 uh and by the way that makes adrian paul 35 years old here uh mm-hmm. adrian paul is only 38 in this you know in actuality uh Ooh. but god damn it i'm the same age as adrian paul in that episode and boy and you I, look just I, I, as good i, I look you fantastic look obviously exactly the same body be banging but uh i i mm-hmm. don't know this is <laughs> i was just so sad when i was like he's how old god damn it like that's a uh, lumpy body <laughs> that's the joke john oliver makes all the time now about wrestling superstar john cena yes <laughs> Because not only they both named John, they were born on the exact same day and the exact same year. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and I can't stress this enough. We got the same age. Uh, John Cena. <laughs> he's so, no The Rock, but he is charming. Uh, so he, uh, Mac, or I guess then he gives Mac some more details. He's like, oh, your parents were like John and Mary and they died in a car accident. And then you were raised by, who was this person? Uh well, and then like an orphanage that burned down right which i was like and then he's like i was like is the implication here that mac burned down in an orphanage (laughs) because the guy's like it's so strange anyone who has a connection to you when you were young disappears (laughs) and it's Mm. like yeah i wonder if is mac an arsonist or was he just implying that like i think you've got a phony past i can see through yes that is what he's saying because he's like because he says you know he can tell when some when something's a fake, and you, my friend, stink. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, if- like, I, I don't think they that that line sounded how the writer thought it would sound. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, what if all this was true, and you're just making Mac like really depressed? <laughs> like, <laughs> my parents died and it's not my fault. Like he just starts crying at yeah. the. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Mommy. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to uh, to uh, upset you like that. Uh, you don't stink. You don't stink. You smell great. <laughs> you smell great. So, Mac, I guess, asks like, "What's the deal with Elena?" And so, uh, Armando picks up a picture, and it's him and Elena like embracing. It's like, "Ooh, what's this?" They obviously Ooh, were close. On. And so we get a, a new flashback back to Buenos Aires, 1996. So just a year prior. Uh, and Armando says they've been married for 10 years at this point. And uh, also, all this is like way ADR. This feels so weird mm-hmm. again. Uh, it just does not feel natural at all. Um, and then there's Ramon. It's like, it, it's like the dialogue is being like broadcast in from the International Space Station. <laughs> yeah. It's like, not great. Anyway. 
we have Ramon, a new character who's his like protege. Right. Mm-hmm. Who's a little he's... younger, a little, a little sexier. Yeah, baby. So Ooh. everyone's like, I don't know, everyone's kind of hanging in the living room and then Katya. Elena's there, Katya's there. And they like make drinks and but like some some eyes are, you know, exchanged or whatever. Like some looks are given between Ramon and Elena. And uh Katya picks up on that. Like, I think something's going on here that I'm noticing. And like ask elena to like go outside with her uh and so they end up like talking about like hey what's the deal oh and i guess elena's like mom like don't give eyes to ramon like don't hit on him and that's like the clue like quick question how is uh batista telling this story about this conversation that he wasn't part of great question That also, by the way, includes That's the right. fact that Katya is being referred to as mom. <laughs> and, an, and an immortal. And great, a, yeah, like, great call. Wh- wow. You're what? right. He would not know this information. Yes. It's, He's the wrong person to, like, trigger the flashback on this, isn't he? Yeah, no, uh, it's, that's a it's, bummer. it's wrong. This is that's not wrong. correct. Also, I do want to point out at the beginning of this scene, there's just kind of more like generic business dialogue. Mm-hmm. like, And it's about like, I'm going on an international tour. And I guess Ramon has maybe set this up and he's supposed to go to like Rome. And a, there's a couple Italian cities, maybe Paris. And I'm like, what, what is this tour? Like, are you a newspaper editor going on an international tour? Like, did you write a book or something? I was just like, what are you think- doing? I think the implication is supposed to be he owns newspapers in various countries. Oh. And he's going, like, because they even say, like, how many papers do you own? was, like, a question that's jokingly oh, said that. at one wow. point. Also, he says, like, what can I say the investors like it? So I assume that he is going around to, like, talk to the various stakeholders of the various newspapers. Why does it matter? It doesn't. But I think I the only, I think the reason it's here is to imply, like, oh, maybe... Maybe our pal Batista, yeah, and our pal Batista might right. be like a little bit of an absentee husband because of that makes sense. his obligations to his newspaper empire, leaving Elena to be looking for something a little extra on the side. Mm. All right, uh, sex. So when Elena, a little Kotcher, extra, yeah, sex. <laughs> a so when extra. Elena and Katya outside, <laughs> you know. Uh, Katya reveals that, oh, she's figured this out. Like, you must be having an affair with Ramon. Oh, shit. And so she, like, just warns her daughter, like, be careful what you're doing. Don't tell me how to live my life. Yeah, she kind of, like, claps back. And, like, yeah, which I thought that was a good kind of line that, like, I only get one shot at this. So, like, I guess let me do what I want to do. I don't know. Uh, Let me enjoy my WAP in peace. (laughs) (laughs) Uh yeah, but as she points out, like, be careful because they find out. Like, they always find out. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Foreshadowing. So then we cut a little bit later. We're still in the flashback. This is kind of an extended flashback scene with a couple cuts. Uh, Which, side note about some of these cuts, like, this episode seems to really like these corner cam shots where, like, the, the camera is, like, embedded in, like, the top corner of a room. And then you just kind of see this weird angle of people walking through rooms. I don't know. It happens again here. They're all quick, but there's, like, easily six of these shots Interesting. in the episode. That's it. Hmm. Weird. Go on. Yeah, I know uh, on the commentary, uh, Richard Martin talks about, like, because, mm-hmm. because there's so many, like, looks exchanged that he wanted to make sure that he always had like at least a master shot in there Mm -hmm. so you could figure out the geography of the room. Because without that, then you can't like, if you ever see like, I don't know, it's a hallmark of bad movies. It's like when people are talking to each other and all you see are the close-ups, it's like, wait, who are they looking? Where is that other person existing in this space? But when you have the master shot, 
and even just if it's for a split second, you see where everybody is, your brain's able to kind of like piece that geography later together uh, when they do all the cuts. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's there for. Probably. And but of course, I, I there's like the, the ultimate uh, hallmark where they flip the line and all of a sudden people are talking to each other on the wrong side. On the wrong side of the room, right. Uh, the true hallmark of a, yeah. a shit movie. Uh, so uh, we cut a bit later and Armando receives a an envelope with uh, pictures of his wife and Ramon having a, a saucy affair in the car or whatever. Because uh, I guess Armando had hired this private eye and uh, apparently this private eye was a, a tailor, I think, and friend of Ken Gord's and he thought he was yep. an interesting dude. He was like, you gotta be in the show. So that's how he got cast, which was kind of funny. Great. What a guy. Um, Ken although, Gord. There's, there's no real hint. Do we think there's a hint earlier? Does he catch like the glimpses that Ramon and Mia are giving each other? Like, I was like, why did he hire this private eye? Like, we're, we're not I don't feel like I was explicitly made aware of that he's suspicious yet. Nope. No, I mean, he, he gives him a funny no, look when she's suspicious. like, I need help with this ice. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Maybe, like, that's, maybe that's enough then. Hmm. Two people don't need to get ice for a little, <laughs> like, container. Sure. Like, that's not a two-woman two job. So we cut a little bit later, and Armando... Uh, returns home and he hears like some uh, commotion upstairs and like giggling mm -hmm. and shit and he goes and there's like this... even like a shirt draped on the, the stairs when he goes up uh, which which sets the precedent for this episode that people are having sex giggle a lot yeah. it's, a very it's all funny giggling enterprise. all the time in this it's like maybe Kat or the, the people in Katya's family just have like a weird tickling fetish because mm. everyone is constantly giggling <laughs> uh, so he goes and gets a gun which he, by the way, he keeps a loaded fucking pistol in just a desk drawer. Uh, he has a and he has a child. He has a, he has a child. child. It's not even locked. Like, come on, man. Uh, maybe he just always has bullets on him. Maybe just in his pocket, just yeah, just mm -hmm. dangling around. Yep. yep. Yeah. Oh, those are just those are just my bullets. <laughs> not responsible gun owners, man. Uh, nope. So he goes upstairs, finds this giggle fest happening and it's like oh, yeah, go douche. <laughs> yeah what's that sound effect <laughs> whap <laughs> which subsequently is the sound of whap yep. mm -hmm. uh yeah so he just fucking blows these people away uh so that's brutal, brutal. only and two then, shots yeah uh and then he like goes down the stairs baby collapses just like cries. katia with her yeah yeah the crossbow yeah um also i'd like to point out that there's a thing I really don't like in this, uh, this scene in particular that infidelity. Yeah, infidelity. Um, you hate it. Yeah. Uh, no, th just that it's redundant. Like, why does he go and get pictures of her having an affair? Because when he comes home, he finds her having an affair. I assume. Like, well, I just don't understand why it's not him randomly arriving home. Maybe they could set it up like, oh, I forgot to get something for work, and he comes back unannounced, and they're already, you know, making giggles. Uh, and that's it. Like, I just don't understand the idea that he, he needs to get pictures. It's one or the other. Get the pictures, then shoot them, or catch them in the act, then shoot them. It just feels like redundant. So, but you, it, you have a take on it, Kyle. What is well, it? no, I mean, I think it is redundant. What I'm going to say does not take away, does not change the fact that it's redundant. I think we're supposed to think that, like, he's supposed to be going on this tour, and the reason he goes back is because of the photos. He's like, fuck it, I'm not going to the airport. I'm going back to confront her about these photos, and they're going at it. Gotcha. Which, again, who cares? It's still redundant, but I think that's what we're supposed to think the chain of events is. Okay. 
Uh, I telephoned for an ambulance, but she died on the way to the hospital. That's right. No mention of the other guy. Like, (laughs) well, I guess he's not too concerned about him. Yeah. Even though he later says he was like my brother. (laughs) He was like my brother. That's right. So this is the clip, I guess, at the top of the episode, him kind of explaining what this deal was. Uh, Because he says it's a crime of passion, right? Mm -hmm. Which is... Uh, I which guess the, the okay. courts understood it was a crime of passion. Right. Which... So I guess uh, I guess this is the well, as the poor IMDb description read, you know, these are the two sides of the story that Katya I am, says. I he am gets a murderer. <laughs> right. Well, Katya <laughs> thinks he gets off because he's connected, and it seems like maybe there's more to it that this was a crime of passion, and maybe that's why he got off or something. I don't know. We'll find out more, I suppose. Uh, which also, also, all this is strange. <laughs> This is all very weird because, like, a crime of passion usually does not mean that you walk. No. Right? Like, it's just your sentencing would be perhaps different as, like, usually, as opposed to premeditated or whatever. Well, it's usually like a different crime. Mm. Like, maybe it's not first degree murder, it's like third degree murder or right. something like that, which you still will go to jail for a period of time for almost certainly. Yeah. He, um, he, he is off scot free for murdering two people. <laughs> Right. Which then, like, they later imply that maybe it was some kind of, like, insanity defense. But even that seems weird in this circumstance. Because it's not like he has some kind of mental health issue that stops him from being able to distinguish right from wrong. He was just very upset about this. But right. then again, maybe the Argentine legal system thinks about these issues differently. I wouldn't I, know. I'm not sure. But, also, I, I wonder, what does the pictures play into this? Like, for instance, I might understand crime of passion more if he came home and just found it and was like, oh, mind fuck, and he didn't even know what he was doing or something but at the same time like he got pictures and like like there was obviously something he was set up considered for this, like, like premeditation or yeah something? i think so and I'm, also, I'm I mean, sure even, a clever prosecutor would argue that it was evidence of that yeah and, and even he him went hiring, to the house with the intention of doing it yeah and even him hiring the private investigator like he has an inkling that maybe this is going on so like i think I don't know. There, there's definitely some premeditation in that because he knows that this is a possibility. He has a suspicion of it and it's only confirmed. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know if it's quite as much of a crime of passion the way they show it uh, because it does seem like he's got some time to think about this. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, also, I like at the end of this, Mac is like, I didn't come here to tell you what to do or how to live your life. And I'm like, I, was, why, I feel like that is another line Mac never here? says. That, yeah. that, is, that is my primary question about this entire scene and his entire interaction with this guy. What, what is his intention about yeah. this whole thing? Like, what's he think he's going to convince the guy to do? Is or Mac how was, or why? Yeah. Also, I'm very confused just because he finds out now why Baptista killed uh, Katya. But I'm just like, why didn't you ask? Or, or uh, Elena, excuse yeah. me. Like, why didn't he just ask Katya, like, oh, Baptista killed my daughter? The natural question is why? Like, why? What, what like, happened? He doesn't seem like a, like, I don't know, this isn't like a, a robbery in an alley. Like, he killed also, her for, for a Ka- reason, right? Like, Katya is trying to kill Baptista. He's not trying to kill her. So, like, what is this? This does, like, no matter what he said, like, the issue isn't solved. Yeah. You know what I mean? Max, like, Matt's, and Matt's does, not and doing he, his Batman detective skills here. Yeah. And does he know prior to this that Katya's even even wishes a mill? Is this a known quantity that she wants to kill him or not? Well, I mean, doesn't Matt Pri- assume Katya's trying to kill Armando? Is that what you're saying? Or? No, no, no. Does Armando know prior to Max's intervention in this story that his sister-in-law is trying to kill him? Gotcha. 
not sure. Uh, I mean, perhaps that could be the reason he moved to Paris. Is like oh, I'm gonna yeah. get away. I think that might be it. Yeah, that could. Yeah, be. I don't know. So like, it's, yeah, has has there been a near miss before, and he's escaped? Unclear. Unclear. Interesting. Very good. Uh, <laughs> um, so now we cut later. This is on the barge at night, uh, and Mac is sleeping with some. 500 year old book or whatever he's doing uh, which without... this is nuts it's pitch black there are a couple a couple of candles lit and he is reading you're gonna ruin your eyesight mac so there's Glad. a knock then this this is the thing this is like the 3 a.m knock again blows bye bye kyle here we'll take a break what's happening what do you think is going on with that water spout Eamon? Ooh, it's a uh, thirsty Ooh, kyle what's the water spout all about What's that? What's the water spout behind you all about? The water spout behind yeah. you? Oh, it's just a little watering bucket for the various plants in here. Great. Anyway, so we H2O. cut to a little... Okay, so Max reading this old book. There's a bunch of candles. And this, is the, this, this scene maybe blew my mind the most. There is a knock on the fucking door. And for, oh, I'm sorry. There's a buzz and a knock. And then Max just yells, come in. Come in. And she <laughs> does. And I'm like holy shit like literally what two episodes ago in the black tower was that two episodes ago one one episode one episode sorry uh for us the uh like there's a knock on the door and his girlfriend gets kidnapped and Mm -hmm. he gets like by like an assassination squad right and it's just like this is insane and it's like your door is also unlocked like why is it unlocked also he's in a he's in a recumbent position (laughs) like Totally vulnerable. God, it might be Go another ahead. demon. I don't know. What if it was like Xavier? Well, he's dead. What if it was like, I don't know, anyone? Anyone. anyone There's a anyone. million evil immortals in this show. And he's just like, come on in. I'm just chilling. Come, come in and know me better, man. And she even uh, comes in with her sword drawn. It's like, what yeah. the fuck is happening? Because she says, I thought I was coming here. I might have to kill you. And I was like, what? Little did, little did you know, Mac was going to make you pesto. But he's not sure he has the goddamn pine nuts for it. <laughs> so, okay. So this must be, is this new, is, is this a new feature of the barge that there's this like kitchenette now? Did they build this? I feel like this is new. Uh, but certainly never gotten the play it's gotten no. this season. Uh, and seeing it here made me believe that maybe Mac did make the sushi, which I kind of love. And yeah. so we're this is this Mac's tradition new persona. of 3 a.m. 3, 3 snacking. Uh, where Mac is, yeah, about to make some like fucking pesto. I I've got some fresh basil in the fridge. That's a lot says, of snacking I have to do. <laughs> he also says I've got a parmesan or two, and I was like, a parmesan or two? two? Like, you keep a, a myriad of parmesans yeah, on the bar. I, I have no idea how much parm Pecorino is going. <laughs> Romano, not Murano. What? It's Elena Murano or Moreno. Elena Morano. Elena Parmesan. I don't know. Uh, so mm. anyway. So they have a, an Italian dinner. <laughs> right. And Mac is like, would you like some wine? It's like, what does he say? Like French or French Italian, or whatever Italian. It is. Italian and red. I was just like, what are you doing right now, Mac? What French. are, what are you doing? Like, are you trying to Mac it at this moment? Like, yes. this is so, so much the inopportune time. And so inappropriate. This. And she, yes. but she's into it. Oh, hell yeah, she is. <laughs> so. so they start giggling, if that wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. Uh... And so, <laughs> too busy being the sword of justice. Oh, I don't boy. think you need to feel emptier. And what are they listening to? Just like trash, smooth jazz. Mac, Mac listens to opera music. 
and like smooth, like really bad. Like Kenny G. Jam. Yeah. It's or like his two jams. Good. Didn't he have like a Slayer record or something? <laughs> or... Slayer record. He had some like heavy metal record in one of the that. previous episodes. I feel like Mythos calls him out in one scene about like his record collection, but I don't remember what's on it. Mythos? Yeah, he's like, oh, no Queen or anything like that? Oh, oh Mythos is great in this episode. Yeah, Wait a minute. Who's, who's, who's not in this episode? Any of the characters That's we right. love? <laughs> Any. Okay. Can we mention this again? Because, Eamon, you brought up how offensive this is in the very first episode. And it is like almost beyond the pale at this point that how many episodes are in this season? Like 13? Mm-hmm. We're halfway through the goddamn season. And these characters that are in the opening credits are just not there. And oh, oh boss, also, have we mentioned, has Joe Dawson been in an episode? I feel like he was. Uh, I feel like he was, but yeah, he was in the in the season opener, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was an avatar slash Armageddon, right? That's it. I I think so. Man, cutting everybody. So weird. So strange. Um, Mythos. The emptiness you feel won't be filled by anger or revenge or hate. That's right, and then they get. This in, speech like, is much better in Batman Forever. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, then there's like even some like, like some bass swoops, like yeah, like some like hot, sexy bass licks. Uh, and it's time to dance or whatever. Uh, wow. Um, so Max is gonna be four six years old on his next birthday. I like that. That was a nice little Easter egg, I think, for fans. If you remember, mm. the pilot episode is his four hundredth birthday. Oh, that's right. He's talking to Tess on the couch, and they have like a little moment about him, you know, staying the same age and her growing old and all that sort of stuff. So, six seasons, not 406 years old. That's nice. Cheers for six years. So, (laughs) so let's talk about the the this the details, the the gritty. By all means, go go ahead, bud. Okay. Well, I mean, they just fucking this. This is I. They do it. (laughs) That's the details. They just fuck. They just fuck. But like that's the this is perhaps I think the first like sex scene we see this season I think has I he think been so. that's like a little bit more like racy uh, sexy hey, dog. oh <laughs> well, uh, won't stop so I mean like, me, is, what so. do you guys think there about the way is. this is filmed like they they shot some light through the skylight and put like some rain so it's got this I like, like it. blue effect and there's just kind of water. So uh, sexy. So, I thought it was erotic. Speaking of what, I ooh. thought it was erotic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Deeply erotic. Well, you're giving yeah. giving those ladies hot flashes like that convention VHS. That's okay. True. Well, I'd like to talk about. Did anyone have a big problem with this? I did. yes. I, okay. It's, good. It's offensive on its face. She's her. She's like within the last year, my daughter died. I'm on a quest for vengeance, and he's like, can I make light of this situation with pesto and then raw dog you? Like, not acceptable. It's especially I. The the problem that I think I have the most with this is, well, she. Besides, it's all just gratuitous. There's there's mm-hmm. no need for this. I don't think. Uh, and and. W- w- this is like their first, this is for all intents and purposes is their first interaction that hasn't involved violence. <laughs> yeah. They've never even had a meaningful conversation before really, other than the one that Mac literally pulled out of her while holding a sword to her throat. Right. Like, mm, pulled out. Yeah, that was, that's not the last thing he pulled out time. of. Oh yeah. boy, yikes. Anyway. Yowza. But this, this ends with her crying. She is crying and I kind of think it's maybe problematic that they don't if i think they, if they address what those tears are actually about i might be okay with it if it's about like 
don't know if they they really made it poignant that like I've I've needed a human connection for a long time. I've been feeling alone. This is something I want. Uh, but as you said, Kyle, that like she has obviously experienced some trauma. She's on this like vengeance quest. I don't know. Part of me is just, I, I worry that she's been taken advantage of or something in a vulnerable state. And I don't know how I feel about the way they're depicting it or something. I don't know. I, see, like, I don't, my main problem is that it just feels so unrealistic and like, it doesn't make sense to me that she's in a headspace where this is something she wants from him, the person who's stopped her twice now from that's like true. completing her vengeance quest. Like, and she I don't know, showed she, up saying, I was thinking of killing you tonight and instead slept with you, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. She doesn't seem off kilter enough to me that I'm worried she's being taken advantage of. Just the whole thing just reads as dumb to me. Mm-hmm. That's how charming Deep Mac is, baby. Well, it was when he busts, busts, his, busts out the pesto and the French red, like, it's all over. That's right. Yeah, I mean, there, there, I guess that could be another reading of this is I just had the best and it's never going to get better than this. They just that, had the best. The best. <laughs> best. Oh. Uh, you guys like pesto? Is that a thing you guys like? I, I love pesto. Mm, all right. Pesto is the thing that I, the amount I like it versus the amount I eat, it's way out of whack. I, actually I agree. Like, Me too. I, I rather like pesto and very seldom have it. Mm. Do you like it on a sandwich? Yeah. Do you like it as a dip? All Ooh, those deployments are all. good. Yeah, oh, I like I like it on pasta the most because pasta is my favorite like food item. Ah, all right. That's why I'm overweight. I weighed myself this week, and I weigh a lot more than I did when this quarantine started. Mm. On that COVID nineteen. Yeah, I've I've like gained like twenty pounds. Wow, it's not good. You're not alone. Yeah, it's bad. Anyway, pesto. Pesto. There's there's nothing that gets me more in the mood than like a heavy pasta dinner. <laughs> Yeah, just doing a little sexy sax action. Okay, so the next we now cut, and it's the next morning on the deck of the barge. And so Mac brings up like a tiny little cup of coffee or tea. Uh, and Katya says that every time she closes her eyes, emphasis on tiny, it's very tiny, very tiny. So I hope this is coffee is very, very strong. Maybe it's some espresso or just a nice uh, cup of tea. Um, but so she's like, every time I close my eyes, I see how the jury like valued Armando, uh, his honor more than like my daughter's life or whatever. Uh, and she's like, you know, they had the jury in their pocket, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. And so then she's like, I know this because I've seen it before. And I don't know, not to, you know, get too picky about this sort of stuff, but I'm like, yeah, I've never had this happen to me either. But like, I know that it happens. Like, I don't think you n- need to have a personal experience with, uh, either like a corrupt jury or a corrupt judicial system to like know what it is and how that must be awful. I don't know, but uh, leading to I, the I first think... of many questions. Sure. So, should we? Do you want to ask those questions, or should we jump into the flashback, Kyle? We can jump into the flashback, but let's just leave with the first question. A woman named Katia was born in the 1300s in England. <laughs> Why is her name Katia? Well, last I checked, there's a there's like an English version of that name. It's like fucking Katie. <laughs> um, so we'll have to investigate the Watcher like Chronicles an... later and see if any light is shed on that. I'm actually not Ooh, sure. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I you know I don't read them ahead of time really. So so it's so safe. She, she's say, well, worked... I should. I think she he's talking to the dog. Uh, oh, never mind. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I was talking to the dog. He's trying to eat Lola's food. He's successfully eating Lola's food. I didn't want to disrupt this, but now I've disrupted it. So, 
wonderful. What a show. Anyway, uh, all right, the flashback, England, 1362 in an inn. Eamon, tell us what's going on. So this inn is like hell. Like, <laughs> it's just like... It's literally hell. Drunken monsters, like, and Katya has to, like, wrangle these drunk people out, and it's crazy. But, yeah, it's a very raucous, like, inn. And so this guy comes in, uh, I guess this is William, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, he pays some dude. He's like, get these motherfuckers out of this bar. Uh, and this dude does it. He's like, everybody out. And so he clears the everybody room. Everybody out. So uh, Prince William or whatever this dude is can talk uh, to Katya, who is kind of like the, the barmaid or whatever, right? And he loves her and they had a And date. he's got a terrible mustache. <laughs> yes, this is like a glued on mustache and looks insane but they were supposed to meet last night and she didn't show up right and so she says like look i i don't want to be like your side piece or whatever uh she's like i want us to have like an actual relationship and i'm not gonna be like your harlot or whatever this is uh your ye olde slam piece is that what this is <laughs> <laughs> um Ye olde slam hound. And she talks about like, oh, I want to have children and a family, but like, I want my children to have a father. And which I guess is a significant, uh, you know, part of this as well, because I think, I don't know, because, you know, uh, her daughter ends up being killed. The mother is lost in the present mm -hmm. tense. Uh, present tense, did I just say? In the present scene? I don't know. Um, yes. In the present tense. Yeah. Uh so he's like, I'll talk to my father. We'll figure this out. Right. And so she leaves. And so then we cut to a little bit later and we're in like the court of the, the king or duke or whatever this dude is, lordship. Uh, Another story that she would not be able to tell in a flashback. <laughs> You're right. This yeah, doesn't make that's a... sense. Very good, Kyle. Uh, but, so you know, whatever. At least he's like, what, uh, what are you doing with this whore? <laughs> Uh, yeah, this guy's voice is incredible. Uh, so he's like, I don't care if you have like a hundred bastard children, but like they will, they will all be secret. Like I will not have my son like gallivanting publicly with like some bar wench or whatever it is. Uh, and he's like, I love her, and you don't want your kingdom to go to your brother. Right. They at least they're able to bond over the idea that their fucking uncle is like a piece of shit. Uncle like, Uncle Leopold's a real shit bird. Uncle Leopold. Yeah stinks uh uncle leo <laughs> hello hello gary Seinfeld. you never visit ah. anyway uh so he's, like, so he's uh, like you leave me no choice which what this am guy i gonna do with you what yeah, am which, i gonna do with you <laughs> which which leaves this mustachioed dunce thinking that he has just said yes well, I think he doesn't just imply it. Like, he gives him clues. So we now cut back to the bar, and William shows up, and he's like, my dad said, like, it's well, she's, okay. Well, she's peeling a bunch of apples. Yes. Uh, it's a little post-work apple peel, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, post-work apple peel. Uh, P-W-A-P. P so aren't those apples all going to, like, turn brown? Unless you ate them a little lemon juice or something. <laughs> better eat them, I guess. Uh, we'll never find out what happens to these apples. But... Um, <laughs> it's a real tragedy in this so episode. So she's like, I, I can't like marry you. I can't meet your father. Like I have nothing to wear. And he's like, don't worry. He already thought of that. And he's got a package and it's like one of his mother's dresses. And he's like, my father provided this. So like, not only like the father is being deceptive here. Uh, yes. Right. Dad. 
I'm beginning to think this father might not be a good guy. No. I wonder how that'll bear out. Whatever do you mean? Okay, so now we kind of finish up, I guess, this flashback. We now cut back to the court. Uh, I will say, I don't think this looks very good. This is a <laughs> church that they put up, like, just drapes. Uh, just yeah. straight hanging drapes. This is not good scenery. Well, well I think, like, the bar looks really good. Uh, like, it's very moody. There's, there's enough stuff in there that, like, I don't know, especially with the people in the costumes. Like, I'm like, yeah, this is great. This hall looks, like, cheapo. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, doesn't, Katya arrives look good. Uh, in her dress. And even the guards, like, they fucking play along with this. They're, like, now announcing, like, Katya. And they, like, lead her in. Uh, and then the, uh, the king or whatever, the duke or whatever the fuck this guy's deal is, he's, like, bring in the witnesses and the evidence. It's, like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's, like, an ambush tri witchcraft trial now. Well, when, because when they said witchcraft, I was, like, what? Like Because she allegedly gave the like the Malocchio to somebody's house and, like, their cows died. <laughs> right. And she was doing incantations in the shed behind the, the tavern. To right. and then he young William. And then she, he accuses her of being, like, uh, in league with Satan because she wore William's mother's dress to seduce him. And I was like, one. Gross. In league with Satan? Hold the phone. Two. Wait a minute. Like, does William want to fuck his own mother? Like, how is that dress going to seduce weird. him? I, I don't mean, know. Have you, have you seen her? I guess She's quite not. quite the looker. Mm. No, no, no. Maybe, it's a, maybe it's just such a stunning dress. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, uh, he's like, by the way, wench. we're going to fucking stone you to death. Good luck with that. So uh, yeah. I guess they ship her off to a quarry to be stoned to death in the morning. Oh, and one of the people, <laughs> one of the people that is like uh, accuses her or whatever is, I believe, the same dude that was the, in the, the bar. The bar that, like, owner, cleared, yeah. That cleared out the bar. And I, I was yeah. wondering if like the idea is that like, He'll maybe do anything for money or something. Like the prince came in and was I like, think clear so. the bar, here's some money. And it's like that stick is gonna work with this guy every time. Like, hey, here's yes. some money. Say she's a witch. Okay, whatever. Sure, done. So it's a bummer because I guess they were friends. Uh he looks remorseful. He does. When I when they say we're gonna murder her, <laughs> yeah. I think he's like, Oh, maybe this was a bad idea. Uh <laughs> I guess I forgot what they did to witches. Hmm. They a killed witch. a lot of witches. I feel like there's some numbers on how many witches they think were like killed i think it's like thousands of people Yikes. over like this kind of time period were killed because of this it's like pretty gruesome uh not good i don't know i've read harry potter i know how serious witchcraft is <laughs> witches uh, get stitches that's right all right True. so that's the end of this kind of extended flashback sequence about like her being kind of wrongfully tried uh so that's the the, the gist of this right so now we cut back to the present on the also, barge. Also, oh, yeah. leading me back to, this is not an example of what she introduced it as an example of, because this guy was the king and had a personal beef with her and just did whatever he wanted because he was the decider. It's not a story about juries valuing one person over another. Yeah, it is a little so bit different. It's, it's not analogous, even a little bit. I guess it's analogous just as like, it's not a fair trial. Sure. So the 1400s is your, 1398 is your metric for that? Like, yeah. I don't think there was fucking habeas corpus in, <laughs> in, <laughs> right. in the 1300s. You literally got tried for being a witch. It's not a real crime. Which is crime. a made up thing. Yeah, it's a made up real. crime. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she's, also, it's like she's up there like, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people stitched up by mandatory minimum sentences, which leads me to doubt 
like mortal justice. She's like, uh, I literally got tried once for like magic happy Christmas times. So therefore mortal justice is fun. Like, uh, so, and then Duncan says, not all, hashtag not all men. <laughs> I have that with so many exclamation points after it. I was like, holy shit. He just said not all men. Uh, incredible. Not all men, culture. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess, granted, in this context, perhaps it's a little different than how we see that on Twitter. Uh, oh, or, sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's like, men's justice is no good. And it's like, okay, I guess. Uh, but that does seem to be a pretty distorted view of justice because obviously we do have a judicial system uh i mean all countries do to some degree and uh hmm. i don't know justice is served i would think right uh to with the best of its ability a lot maybe who knows i don't want to come a on lot. too, too yeah, strong say, I, a, I don't want to like i don't want to give no credit to how our justice system fails uh quite a bit uh but, sure, uh, but it's a functioning system. It's coherent, right? For the most part. At the end of the scene, Koch is like, "I don't want to kill like all men. Like, I'm not trying all men here. This isn't just about like one. it's just one." And Mac is like, "That's no good or whatever." And it's like, Mac, I, this is this is the thing I just don't get. It's like, Mac, you do this. This is your thing. And I guess I wonder, is this new Mac? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure if they ever make that clear that like Mac never, I think, admits that like I used to do this too, and I was wrong. Maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, but it just feels really hypocritical because people have done this shit to Mac and he's like, I will exact my revenge. Uh, or even it doesn't, doesn't even have to be for Mac. Like Mac takes revenge on the part of other people that he feel like deser deserves vengeance or something. And uh, I don't know. People, somehow he's yeah. got a beef here. See, this is not new Mac. Yeah. This is not quote unquote new Mac. Mac has been doing this shit all the time. Like <laughs> You know, like he he constantly equivocates on this, and like when it's when it's proper to intervene, when it isn't, right? Like he just never really takes a stance on it. The one oh, difference also, being here, it doesn't seem like he's willing to physically intervene to stop her. Is the difference? But he like did he tell, does he? He did it twice before. He did it on the roof. He intervened to stop her, and he did it well, in the no, garden. I, well, no, I mean now that he has the full story, like now oh, that he knows what's going on, it's not just like a, you know. He's not stopping a hired assassin or something. Hmm. He's like, okay. Because when he shows up, the, the, he will interfere a final time. That's right. But it's just, he just like talks to her. They don't fight. And that's it. So he's kind of yeah. like a, a little, you know, guardian angel or like a little, your conscious little. He's, like a, he's playing a Jiminy Cricket role. That's right. Okay. Henceforward. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. So, so then we cut. Uh, so this is all going to start kind of coming to a head here. So a very quick scene at Mia's school. She's like just getting in a car and leaves. And then I was like, and then the scene ends. I was like, huh? What? What? Okay. Uh, okay. So then we're back at Armando's mansion. Uh, and he's asking uh, his bodyguard, Jose, to, you know, make sure everything's locked up so Katya can't get in. Um, and then Katya shows up literally a second later and instantly takes out Jose. Uh, yeah, just so like I guess she's supposed to be very badass and like. Jose sucks. <laughs> and Jose sucks, right? Yeah. Uh, and she takes his gun. Uh-oh. Uh womp womp. Uh, Duncan was also able to get in, like, with no interference from Jose. Right. I don't understand. It's uh, very easy. Jose's not very good. No. no. <laughs> um, also, uh, it seems like, you know, Armando has maybe 20 acres of property uh, with mazes and all sorts of stuff. Maybe and uh, one security maybe guard. Maybe <laughs> more than one dude. I don't know. It just doesn't you need a full seem, staff. Yeah, maybe a camera or something. Uh, I don't know. Uh, doesn't seem good. Um, nope. 
Oh, hold on. I gotta, I gotta point out something here because actually I'll, I'll point it out a little bit later. I'll point it okay. out a little later. Okay. So she gets the buzz and it's like, Oh, what the fuck? Mac's here again. God damn it, Mac. Like stay out of this shit. Um, and I guess like Mac's wondering, like, is this about his guilt? Like that he deserves to die? Or is it about like resolving your guilt that you thought like you could have stopped this from happening? I think that's a good question to ask. Yeah, like, cause what are your you real knew, motivations here? Uh, yeah. You knew that your daughter was like, uh, uh, like on a dangerous path mm -hmm. and weren't able to like intervene. Right. Uh, although, well, he does bring up something here. He's like, he just says like, you should let it go. And immediately I wondered to myself, is that justice? Like something about that doesn't necessarily feel like justice though. And so th something seems like missing, I think, uh, from Max's argument, like just let it go. I don't know. Uh, it's something, well, there is something missing. I mean, I think the thing we haven't talked about that has gotten some play here is them talking about like, well, what about the girl? Like, what about Mia? She's not gonna, she loves this guy. She's not gonna have any parents if you kill him. Like, I think that's the part, like, oh, well, is that justice? Like, if right. if there's all this collateral damage for, for people that you care about, not even just for random, like a random kid, for sure. like your niece. Um, but I don't know. But then part of me just thinks it's like, oh, so there's a family member waiting in the wings who can raise this kid. It's you. <laughs> like, that's maybe true. that's okay. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, she ends up entering a room and there's Armando and she points the gun at him and, you know, they kind of argue a bit and uh, she ends up seeing that there's like these swords on display. Yeah. And she's so like, we don't okay. get to see her cool sword again. No, sadly, which is a real bummer. Uh, and I guess it's now just like trial by combat. It's like, you know what? Here's how we decide justice. Like, let's just yeah. fight each other. And I'm like, well, this isn't justice either, obviously. Like, that's that's why I feel like there's something broken here that, like, Max saying, let it go. It's like, while that might be the right move, I wish there was maybe a discussion about, like, maybe justice can't be served in this case, and that's okay, or something like, I don't know, or or this. Then, like, suddenly she just goes, well, this is going to be the real trial. And it's like, you must know that that's not real justice either. Like, uh, and what, yeah, that's that, that's like you getting that's like you getting tried for witchcraft is like what that is. Yeah, and did they kind of did they explore this idea in another? Was it the Immortal Tremoli maybe? Where like I I forget the no, it is. Forgive us our trespasses. Ah, I think the episode where someone comes after him, Mac for the Keen comes after Mac for like the killing spree when I I killed parents with their children watching right, like right. that speech like comes out of the woodwork for him and like there's this trial by combat component in that which is nuts and that mac is super condescending to his best friends about mm -hmm. yep uh so okay so the way this scene ends is they fight briefly and uh katya besim gets the sword to his neck uh-oh and then suddenly mia is there papa and oh. this, you know, puts a big halt on the whole thing. And it's kind of left as like a, 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 you know, cliffhanger. Like, what's going to happen? But obviously she decides not to kill him. Um, so this is, this is where I want to bring up this other question I have, which I am so confused about. Uh, so Katya shows up to Max Barge at 3 a.m. or whenever the fuck this is for Pesto. And she says, Armando took Mia. Or, they're gone. I don't know where to find them. And I'm like, okay, but like, 
they're right there. They're at home. Like, yeah. what do you mean he took her? Like, is that what that fucking scene is where she's getting picked up from school? Does Katya not know that there's school? Like, he took her. <laughs> I don't know where he took her. He had a fucking class. It's kindergarten or whatever. Like, I, and also to speak about, like, we had the one redundant scene earlier uh, where, you know, he gets the pictures, but then also discovers that, you know, uh, his wife is having an affair. That seems unnecessary. To me, this, like, there's that shot at the school, like, oh, she's, she must be coming home. Uh, I just don't understand why we need that. Why can't she just be home? Uh, it just, you know, it just feels like that's just ways to speed things up, tighten it all up. Uh, just seems like redundant stuff. I don't know. Maybe they need to pad it a little bit or what. Uh, or maybe there was some more stuff in there that got cut. I have no idea. But yeah, I do not understand the notion that, like, he's no longer here. And then he is. Uh, and also, him no longer being there makes a lot of sense. Like, just leave. Go. Who cares? Yep. Yeah, you can go literally anywhere. You're jet-setting gajillionaire. Yeah. Like, just go somewhere. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is the denouement. Uh, and, well, I guess there's, there's two little denouements. I guess uh, Katya leaves the house. Max waiting out there with his, you know, green machine, the Land Rover or whatever. Uh, <laughs> being cool an ugly car uh and and katya's like mia loves him and it's like and matt gives her a hug and like part of me likes this like something about like the cycle of violence is important here uh that like hey wait a minute like he took someone i loved but now i'm about to take someone that someone else loves that doesn't really add up uh to anything you know positive i think to uh, justice to justice right um so then this finally ends they're, they're taking a, a little walk uh by notre dame um and she's wondering if she should never have told Elena about her immortality. And she's like, I wonder if it like ruined her life. And I, I, I don't, I was kind of curious about what that's about. Like, I was like, really? Like, that doesn't seem to be the problem. Weird throwaway line at the end of this episode. Yeah, and I can't tell if there's was supposed to be something built more into, you know, Elena throws back at Katya like, well, you, you can live forever. I can only live once. And does she feel like because she like thrust this thing in, like mortality in Elena's face that like Elena maybe made some poor decisions to be like, I have to live my life to like some crazy fullest extent or something. I'm not entirely, it's a strange line. And I don't it's know a, why yeah. she says like me telling Elena about my immortality was a mistake. Like that's not what this problem, like this, this issue was not an immortality problem. It was, you had an affair and your husband killed you. Right. I don't know. Yeah, uh, which plenty of people who don't know that their mom is immortal, I'm sure do. Right. <laughs> um, so she says she has to go away and, like, sort all this stuff out. Uh, and, you know, she also mentions, like, maybe we should not, like, the reason we don't have kids is because, like, the pain of losing a child is, like, too much. And, you know, we'll have to do that over and over again. Um, and, yeah, and then they, like, make out fucking hard, like, some fucking grief kissing again, it would seem. Uh and uh and that's it just split and did walk anyone away. like the way they walk away from each other feels aggressive like they kiss and mac just is like they just yeah. he, he turns around so quick and just walks away and it's like okay like never gonna just like wave and see her off i don't know it just felt weird that he turned her back on her and just was like all right bye i'm done like all right is it because it's too hard too painful too painful I, I mean they've only known each other for like what two days one day barely, yeah. like, <laughs> two days I don't know. And that's it's it. A, There's just like some sad Hulk music. And that is the end of the episode. How about that? How about that? It's a boat. It's not an arrow. <laughs> it's a boat. It's a boat. It's a boat. I'm on a boat. Ah, T-Pain. T-Pain. Like uh, McLeod's T-Bird. <laughs>
T-Bird. Amen. You're going to be in T-Pain after I beat you in this game that's coming up. That's right. Oh. It's game time. Are you guys ready to play a game? So More in that ready. way. Right, so we've been back for a few episodes, and uh, this week I made a game. So we're going to do a like a video game. Uh, Ooh. Not a, not an actual video is it game. Super Mario Brothers 64? It is. We're just going to play it, and it's going to be great. Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch. I've heard that's very uh, good. The new release. Mm, mm. Great. Anyway, but what we're going to be doing is we're going to be playing a Guess the Quickening game. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm going to be bad at this, but I can't wait. All right. Bad. So I, I am going to play. Let me get a pen here so I can take, you know. Uh, Let me get a pen. Uh, so I can take, uh, you know, the score down. So um, I'm going to play. There are five rounds, only five. And I, I'm going to play a Quickening uh, and you're going to have to identify the episode it comes from. Uh, so say your name when you want to guess. Uh, and so first you were going to be able to guess the name of the episode. Then for a bonus point, a bonus half point, excuse me, you you can tell me the name of the villain in oh, the episode. Now, if you, do not, if you do not get the name of the villain, your opponent gets to steal the, perhaps steal that half point and guess the name of the villain instead. Does that make Great. sense? Love it. Love it? Okay. Uh, love uh, it. And if no one is able to guess the name of the episode, Ooh. oh, no, I will give you the name of the episode. And now you will be competing again just for half a point, that bonus point of uh, mm. who the villain is. But again, you must say your name. Say uh, my I, name. Say my right. name. Uh, and there we go. Are we ready? Let's do it. I'm very excited for this, even okay. though I'm, and as I'm soon not as you optimistic. Have a guess, as soon as you have a guess, say your name and I will pause the quickening. Uh, okay. All right, ready for round one? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Let's right. do it. Here we go. Oh, 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 oh. Amen. Amen. Saving Grace. Damn it. Correct. That's right. You are oh. correct. Now, Amen, can you name uh, the villain of this episode? Oh, uh, is it? Mm, uh, shit. I'm gonna just take a random guess and say, oh, shit. Uh, Good guess. Carver. I don't know. <laughs> okay, that is incorrect. Yeah. Kyle, would you like to steal it for half a point? I mean, I'd like to, but I know I'm not gonna be able to pull this guy's name. I want to say it begins with a B, and he's like Brazilian. You uh, are very close. Uh, I believe he was Brazilian, but is uh, Carlos Sh Sandaro? Sandoro. Oh, Sandoro. Villain. All right. All right. Well, Eamon, oh. good work on that. Thank you, sir. I can keep the this score, is... Keith, if that makes your wife easier. Uh, whatever. It's okay. I, you know, I can keep score while you guys chat and all that sort of stuff. So. Same chat. grace. Yeah, I, I, I recognized that one as soon as we saw the. Uh, the tunnel. Yeah. The tunnel, but the couldn't tunnel. come up with the name. I was like, oh, what's her name? Okay, <laughs> it's the Brazilian guy. This is where we had like the coat v sword dawn of justice That's conversation right. for the first time. Right. What okay. a fun. Are you guys ready for round two? I'm Let's ready. hit it. Okay. So Eamon's got one point. No one got the bonus half point. Here comes Aww. round two. Eamon, uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eamon killed it first. Pharaoh's daughter. That is correct. Eamon, do you uh, remember the name of the villain in that episode? Uh, yes, I do. If I can pull it from my head. Uh, uh, Nefertiri. You are correct. Yep. All right, so it is now 2.5 oh. 
to nothing. To zero. Eamon, you might just walk away with this one. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Stranger walk things away. have happened. <laughs> just walk away. Stranger uh, things. Eleven. That's Eleven. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Stranger Things. Ego, right. Ego waffles. All right. You got a Lego. Lego my Ego. You guys ready for the next one? Round Did three. It. Yes, I'm ready. Kyle. Oh, Kyle. <laughs> wow, all right. Maybe this game is a little too easy. All right, uh, Kyle, what do you got? Uh, this is the revolutionary. You are correct. You get Damn. one point for that. And it's Carrot. Karos is his real Karos, name. you are But it's the villainous wow. Carrot. <laughs> Yes. You pulled you pulled ahead. You pulled out just like in this episode. That's right. You didn't need to see like anything. Wow. It, yeah, helps, just, that this, it helps that this shot is in the opening credits. Uh, it's true. It's true. It is That's, true. You know, it is arguably the most famous quickening in the show. It is wonderful. Otherwise embedded in a very unremarkable shell, mm-hmm. I would I would say. We got a lot of mileage out of that episode, I think. I think we uh, did. Also, this is when Charlie decides he wants to go become like a mercenary who fights in the Balkans. It's weird. What? And then he just comes back like two weeks later. (laughs) That's right. It's Uh, longer than that, but it's it's weird. Yep. All right, you guys ready for round three? At this point, Eamon has 2.5 points. Kyle has 1.5 points, and there are two rounds to go. It's still anybody's game. It is. All right, this is round four. Here we go. Guess the quickening. The real villain of this episode, I think, is this is the one with Marco. No, 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 Hey, hey, I you guess the name this... of the episode. Okay, I, is it Reluctant Heroes? Yes, and who is wow. the name of the villain in this episode? That is going to be a problem. Um, I can remember this guy very visu- visually. Very visually? But very very visually. visually. I, can rec- I can remember this guy, but I'm not going to be able to come up with his name. Eamon, you got anything on this bad boy? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, it's not Marco, <laughs> the true villain. Oh yeah, Marco. I forget about that guy. Um, nope. No, All right, who no is idea. it? All right. Well, it is Kinman. However, Kinman. I was going to give the that was going to be wrong because the true villain of the episode is David Markum. Markum, not Mark, Mark O. And again, Cum. remember the rules. We do not guess the villain before the thing because we will, uh, you know, that's someone's bonus well, point there. I knew that that wasn't the villain. Sadly, it was in this game. I am the game master. <laughs> you are the game and master. And also, as we determined, he really is the true villain of that episode. <laughs> and one of the worst villains is. of the show. Of Highlander okay, so history. It is all tied. Kyle, you have two and a half oh, points. Eamon has two and a half points. So it all comes down to, uh, I guess, whoever gets uh, just the episode on this one. Mm. Or failing that, the villain. But Or, yeah, I guess mm. if no one gets it. So uh, very exciting. Coming down this to the This is wire. exciting. This uh, is very exciting. It is. We're so excited. What this confirms game. that these games are actually scripted. <laughs> it goes down to the final round. That's right. It always does. Uh, yep. Okay. Ready to go. Final rounds. Kyle? Kyle. Courage? No. Fuck. 
All right, I took my shot. All right, Kyle. Kyle's already lost. Now, Kyle, you do still have the opportunity to steal if Eamon does not get the villain of this. But I'm going to yes. play this. You are not allowed to guess, Kyle, uh, what this might be. You have used your guess. Uh, yep. So I'm going to play a little more of this. And Eamon, uh, let us know when you want to guess. Um, so <laughs> this is the... Blanking on the title. Uh, All right. I'm blanking on the title. Uh, I'm just going to try to guess. Uh, 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 Say it. Say it. Or, or we could just move on to trying to guess the villain. Shit. Uh, nope. All right. Better is like it, it's like better days or something. Shit, I can't. That remember. is not correct. So yeah. now it comes down to who is the villain. So you both have to, you know. Uh, so the episode is Glory Days. Who's the villain? Glory no. Days. God damn it. Kyle, yes. Uh, Killian. No. Oh, I'm thinking the wrong. One. Oh, I just realized Stop. who it is. All right, God Eamon, damn this it. is your chance to win. Shit. Uh. Is it similar to what Kyle said? They're all similar because they all begin with K. Yeah. Is it Kerrigan? That is a Kerrigan. No, it is not Kerrigan. Uh, the villain was Johnny Kelly, a.k.a. Johnny, Johnny K. Johnny K. Yep. So the score has tied. What? Oh, uh, damn. I know. Nice work, Eamon. There we go. Nice so, work, Kyle. Handshake Wonder oh, I love thing. this. Wonderful job, guys. Playing the game. Yeah. That was a fun game. That too. was, yeah, that was a very good use of this visual medium. A very bad job on our part identifying these things. But I hope that people at home got to play along and were screaming at us the whole time. Probably. And uh, just to let you know, uh, I don't know if anyone picked up on this, that each one was from a different season. So it went in order from seasons one to five. Uh, Ooh, good one work. One to five. One to five. Um, one to right. five. I liked it. <laughs> Uh, so I guess before we talk about this episode, we should probably talk about the Watcher Chronicles. We probably, should. let's do it. All right. The Watcher. I am a Watcher. That's right. I am a Watcher. Just I use a telephoto lens to nefarious purposes. Oh. <laughs> All right, I feel like I don't know. Are there a lot of legitimate uses for a telephoto lens? Probably not. Bird watching, perhaps. Bird watching. Sports photography. Well, I, I wouldn't say that's a legitimate purpose, but no. Mm. Okay, you know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love peeping. All right, let's do it, guys. It's time for the Watcher Chronicles. We're gonna do let's two things it. real quick. Oh uh, God! So there it is for the people at home, in case you forgot. Gotcha. Ooh. Okay. So let me read this here. So, Katya, no aliases. Katya of Green Hill. Oh, Green are they Hill. All, are they all blacked out for some reason in this image? Yes, I blacked them all out so I could read them. Oh. That way it's fun as we go along. Oh, I see. You know, for fun. I, like I see. I was not understanding. Please continue. Okay. Uh, also, Katya Wallenstein. Cat hmm. Martin. Wallenstein? Cat <laughs> Martin. Uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be a Richard Martin reference. Cat uh, Martin. And Katya Zaniga. Zuniga, Z-U-N-I-G-A. 
Mm, Zuniga. Zuniga? Mm-hmm. Okay. Born 1334, Green Hill, England. The Green Hill Zone? That's right. Uh, first death was 1362. So Stunned- she's... English. <laughs> She's English, yes. Named yes. Katya. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, stoned as a witch for seducing nobleman's son. Uh, her first teacher was Benedict of Markenfield Hall. Benedict mm-hmm. Arnold. Yep. Markenfield, uh, wow. Yeah. Original cultural affiliation, English. Unique characteristics, a crossbow sharpshooter. Hmm. Fair enough. Recent base of operations, Tokyo. What? Uh, I don't know. Uh, guess who wants to guess what her occupation is based on this character? What stay-at-home mother? <laughs> Jesus Lord. Uh, the crossbow shooter? No, uh, she's the designer. Oh. I, I don't know what she designs, but she designs something. She designs haircuts. That's right. Uh, so I will read her chronicle right now. It says she did not say she wanted a fresh start but I hadn't thought she'd pick the exact opposite part of the world to do it in. She'd been in, in, in ugh, she'd been in Buenos Aires for so long, I thought she'd be there forever. I guess she wanted to get as far away from uh, what happened there as she could. Also, I thought uh, earlier they said that she moved around a lot so no one would tell her age. Uh, yes. But like she was definitely in Buenos Aires the entire time. According uh, to that. Yeah. Weird. Also, even inclu- according to the flashbacks. I mean, I guess we... Or maybe they never told us that 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 montage took place in different places, but they ended up back in Buenos Aires. Anyway, uh, it's hard to harbor ghosts in Tokyo. If nothing else, I think the noise scares them away. Uh, What? uh, This is ghost facts here. What? The the noise in Tokyo scares ghosts away? What does that mean? The ghosts of her past can't find her because she's so distracted by the city. Okay. Oh, judging it's not from- good. I'm just saying that. that, that <laughs> that's just sort of saying the thing means. <laughs> judging from her chronicles, this may be one of the few parts of the world she's never been to. That's probably its appeal. Oh, okay. Uh, a fresh start in a strange. Not its ghost propellant. Yeah, a fresh start in a strange country. I don't know about. I, I don't like that. Don't know about uh, that. Fast but, yeah. deals, strange food. Deal, yeah, boy. Fast car- Fast deals, fast cars. Weird. Fast cars. Whatever. Strange food. Uh, Tough deals. <laughs> a fresh start in a strange country with a language you can't speak and a culture you don't know. I'm glad she's so happy about it. That makes one of us. So does that mean she's not happy about it? Why would she not Why be? She oh, there? I have to go I to Tokyo now. Ugh. I don't understand this chronicle at all. <laughs> like, Me neither. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Weird. They eat weird food there, like soy sauce. Is what this chronicle is like. That seems Sushi, to be what it is. Is that raw fish? Whoa! Ugh. Sushi. Oh boy! All right, next one. Oh boy! <laughs> oh <laughs> boy! Uh, boy Elena September third, uh, nineteen fifty-two, in uh, Buenos Aires. So here is uh, she doesn't have a full chronicle. Like oftentimes on these like kind of supporting characters, they they just give like the bullet points. But I think this is interesting. So. It says, uh, adopted daughter of immortal Katya, uh, a street urchin whose parents had abandoned her. She was found at age six, begging in the streets of Buenos Aires and adopted by Katya. Uh, attended the finest schools in Buenos Aires, okay. Uh, learned of immortality, the 3rd of September, 1964. Oh, so she learned it on her birthday? Wasn't that when she was born? Mm-hmm. I guess. And in 1964, I guess that's why be... they showed that birthday. She did say that she told her during the birthday scene in the montage. So Wow. 
And she was born in 1952 and was told this in 1964. So she told her about this at 12 years old? Hmm. Wow. That seems young. That does yeah. seem a bit young. Uh, <laughs> um, it says after, this is where it starts to get interesting. After college, traveled in the disco, party, and cocaine circles with the cream of Argentine society, despite Katya's disapproval. Mm. Settled, settled down and married Armando Baptista, flashy, charismatic, up-and-coming newspaper man in 1982. He was an up-and-coming newspaper man? He has an empire. How does that happen? In 82, he was up and coming. Then 10 years later, it's an empire. That's, that's a rise to the top. He, he works think. fast, baby. I guess so. Uh, he founded News Corp. He's the Rupert Murdoch of Argentina. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's, that's the Chronicles, I guess. Uh, the thing I guess I find the most interesting is that cocaine bit. Uh, yeah, I don't get that vibe okay. from that character. Cocaine. But I think that's, I think I, I had like noticed that before. And I think that's what the deal is about. Like her being like, maybe I shouldn't have told her about my immortality. Like that She's it pushed swinger. her to do like, I don't say reckless stuff. I mean, I guess it is reckless, but like that her reaction to her mother's immortality was like an extreme version of living or something. Uh, I don't know. That doesn't really make sense to me though. Yeah, I don't really like, understand like, why it's in there. You're still going to die no matter what. So... <laughs> Right, yeah. like your mom being immortal was not ever gonna prevent your death. So I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So that's the episode. So before we get into you know uh, our ratings and all that sort of stuff, let's just have a discussion. I feel like there's kind of a lot to talk about in a way. Keith, you're uh, first, I believe, according to the rules of the game. Sure. Um, well, I guess let's here. Let's let's just let's just talk about the name of the episode, Justice. Do do we think this episode kind of lives up to its title like is was justice served in this episode what do we think of this episode's like exploration of justice i don't know uh no in short no no it doesn't because there isn't actually like there's a long lead up to getting kind of all the facts of the circumstance that happened just because the first telling of it just leaves out all the uh, a significant portion of the important details one Two, we never actually know, we never actually get any kind of resolution as to whether or not his um, acquittal, I guess we'll say, was the result of corruption or not. Like, Katya just says it was, the other guy says it wasn't. Right. But, you know, we never actually get a, a question as to whether, you know, the... The, the facts of this crime were like ever put through like a rigorous crucible of, right. of, of fact finding. Like we don't actually know that. Yeah. Um, I think this, like, this is weak. Like he's a murderer. That's it. Oh yeah. It's, it's way weak. And like his right. defense of it is so fucking feeble that it leads me to think like, Oh, did something either. It's true that the Argentinian justice system has some weird, caveats to it or like he literally did just get away with killing not one but two people like this is, lets we forget that ramon has a family out there yeah. somewhere oh, weeping over his grave this is this is an un, this is a miscarriage of justice this this <laughs> trial like yeah. there's yes. no there's nowhere on the face of the earth this is like this man should be in prison Don't yeah like, and, and and certainly regardless of like the argentine system's quirks like from a 
a non-legalistic point of view, I'm sure everyone like would appreciate that. Yeah. That like, oh, okay, even if there is an exception to this, like clearly this is messed up. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay. I think they do leave it nebulous enough that this really could have been a crime of passion. But I think the, the, the biggest hurdle is that there was no real punishment for it though. And I don't know if that's just a flaw of the writing, but like, I guess that's where the corruption would live. Like, I'm not 100% sure I could judge if this was a crime or passion of, or not. Uh, I think there's justification that it is, but the fact that he got off any punishment seems suspect. That's, that's uh, the part that's weird, is that yeah. like he literally walks and that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me as just like a mechanical thing. I and think honestly, also, oh, good. Honestly, I think the writers... Like, it's never really talked about, but I do think we're supposed to think that it's some kind of insanity-related defense. Sure. I think is what's supposed to be the concept here, not just that he was very upset when he did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I can't tell if... There's things I like about how nebulous things are, because I feel like that's why we can talk about this a lot. But I'm not sure if I wish they were more, I don't know, uh, direct about some things. Like, for instance, Kyle, you mentioned, like, oh, maybe, you know, because of his newspaper empire, he's maybe kind of an absentee husband, right? And it's like, maybe, I'm not sure though. Like, I don't ever get the uh, impression that he's a bad husband in this episode. I mean, aside from him shooting his Shooting, wife. yeah, there's uh, not. But I mean, like, except for the, the biggest thing. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, the scenes where they're together are, well, honestly, very few, uh, but- Non-existent? Know, I mean, yeah, uh, but I mean, like, there's nothing he does in those scenes that implies that, like, I'm a bad dude, I don't treat her right, or, like, that's what drove her away from me into his arms. Like, like I guess I'm struggling to find, like, motivation for how everything is moving forward in this story. And, uh, and yeah, I, and I guess that comes with its benefits, that, like, it is left pretty nebulous, so we're not sure what really happened or why. Uh, but also, yeah, I don't know how to feel about some of these characters and, like, the, the journey they're on, like, personally. Like, do I, do I feel bad yeah. for Armando at the end of the day? That, like, he's still trying to be his father's or daughter's father and, like, push ahead. And he really did love Mia and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if I'm sympathetic to him. Uh, I feel like I'm not. I'm not sympathetic much. to either of them. I'm like, just yeah. because this, I mean, justice was not served, but that doesn't give her the right to murder him. Right. And he's a murderer. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like, something's missing from this plot. Yeah. Uh, and here, I'll bring up another thing that I'm kind of confused about. Because again, there's these like little breadcrumbs that I, are, are either meant to, either it's like just confusing writing or it's meant to throw us off the trail a bit or muddy the situation, which is what the hell was that phone call he was on before Mac came over for lunch? Like, he was heated. He says, you know, those bastards are going to try to find me or whatever. And like, but also he was talking about like corruption and it's like, oh, is he a good guy? Is his newspaper exposing corruption or something? Or is this more insidious? And he's got weird deal. Like, I don't know how that all resolves. I don't know. I just don't know how to feel about these characters. Uh, That's a hundred percent right. And honestly, that is what I was expecting the reveal to be. This guy is involved in some kind of business whether it's through his newspaper, whether, like, and you could play with it a few different ways, whether he's sort of the good guy or sort of the bad guy, either way. Um, and that his involvement in those activities gets Katya killed. So he's not like literally pulling the trigger on her, but he is very much responsible. His choices are responsible for her death. Because mm -hmm. then that's more complicated. It's like, yes, 
the justice system perhaps wouldn't even think to hold this person accountable for these deaths because of the way they played out. But we as the viewers know that he was responsible right. in some way. Like, I don't know, maybe that's more interesting. Yeah. You know, what's a, yeah. Uh, you know what's another hiccup in this episode that I find a little strange? Um, is that what ends up stopping her from killing uh, Armando at the end is like, the daughter comes in and it's like, daddy. And it's like, okay, like she sees that there's a relationship here. But like, that's already happened in the episode. There was a scene earlier when, yes. when Mac is like questioning Mia, like who did you see or whatever? And Armando is there and he like hugs his daughter or whatever it is. And off in the distance, uh, Kachi is setting up the shot and she decides like, I can't fucking shoot this dude while he's hugging his daughter. Like that would be awful. And it's like, so yeah. she's kind of ha come to this realization at some point, but then had to do it again. Like, I don't know what's different about the first time and the second time. Like she obviously sees that there's a relationship here that's meaningful. And so she decides to not kill him. Uh, yes. And is it just because she doesn't think he'll see it? Is that the only difference? Like, I don't want Mia to see her daughter or her father die but I'm okay with her father being dead. Uh, to me, that's a lot of mental gymnastics. And I can't imagine yes, coming to that conclusion that. and then not taking it one step further and saying, is it right to take away someone's father? Because that seems to be what's at the core of this is seeing your father killed would be horrible. Uh, I, honestly, I think that that is the aspect of this that they wanted to talk about and that they don't really talk about. I think the way they want, and I might be wrong about this, my read was that the way they want us to feel about this situation is that justice would be in a vacuum for Katya to kill this guy, but there's all these collateral consequences to her doing that, that fall on the innocent party of Mia. So is it still just for her to take the vengeance that you, know, you might otherwise say is appropriate if it's gonna hurt Mia? I feel like that is the tension that they wanted to play with in this but they really don't, right? Because I think that's part of what is supposed to make us feel bad about this. And it's certainly what makes Katya refrain from the killing. But like, they really just frame it in terms of like her guilt, like her, you know, the fact that killing him isn't actually gonna make her feel better. Which side note, I'm not convinced that that's why punitive measures of justice are, are administered. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I'm not sure it's to make individuals feel better, uh, which is a whole separate topic, but um, I don't know. It's very, it's, the premise is just messy. Yeah. Um, so let's see how, here, here's something I'd like to talk about uh, in the special features. There was a number of them, but one of them is primarily an interview with Don Aletto. Uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a sign of the times, but I think it's worth discussing for me, I had some issues with some of the things she said. Uh, no offense, Donna, sorry. Um, that they talked, well, one, that there's, there's this general language on these DVDs about like these being babe shows and like stuff like that. And I'm just like, this is all yeah. not, this is yeah. not good. Like this doesn't feel right uh, it, to talk about these women in that way. And that that's like the thrust of this show. Um, but there were some things that were said. Well, one thing I love that Donna said, which I wish was kind of in the episode, which is, she felt like, oh, this episode's great because Mac knows what it's like to lose a child and it's Richie. And I'm like, cool, where was that? Like, I don't yeah. understand why there wasn't no, or, a, or an interesting kid. flashback that mirrored this. Uh, 
about knowing what it's like to lose a child. Uh, I With know a Native American there. kid. Absolutely. Right. What's his name? One. Little Deer? Or Little that was her no, name. That was her name. Yeah, I forget the- Whatever uh, the, the, the kid's name was. Yeah, yeah. no, that'd yeah. be great. Um, like, I think there's, there's, some, there's some territory here that they could have covered that would have, I think, enriched this episode. Uh, and aside from being like a fan that would like know to reach back and draw meaning from those things, I wish the episode made it more clear. Uh, so I think they might have some better conversations about this sort of stuff. Like Matt could sympathize with her really, like, and be like, I know what it is like. Uh, yeah. Um, but so she also says they had a whole, they had a lot of, we're going to talk about, I guess, how this exists as a spinoff in a second, but she talks about how casting this show was very difficult because they knew they wanted it to be a female-led show, but they also wanted it to be physical. And I feel like this is the crux of a problem here. And the reason they're having problems <laughs> casting a female lead in a highly physical action sword show is because they have the, the notion that the female lead needs to be small and slender. That's their problem. I think, I think that's the problem. Uh, I think, you know, if you watch like Game of Thrones or I don't know, uh, her name's Gina Carano in The Mandalorian, mm -hmm. there's no problems casting these people. They're huge, awesome fucking warrior women uh, yeah. who kick ass. I don't see how there's a problem casting a female lead. The, the, the problem they're having is that they first need to cast a slender, beautiful woman uh, for daytime action TV or whatever. And if like they if they put that requirement aside, they'll be able to cast an awesome female lead that's able to handle all this physicality. Uh, so anyway, I just feel like they've got some uh, there's some criteria they have that are honestly rooted in like some sexism, like what women are supposed to appear on screen, and it's not a broad-shouldered, large woman uh, that would like handle a broadsword. So they like they make all these like I don't know, they even talk like on the the episode that they had to make like a special sword for her that was like even lighter so she could wield it. And it's like, well, these won't be problems, uh, you know, if you casted a, a more physical woman. I don't know. So I, I personally, I don't know what you guys think of that, but I don't know if we're going to get angry emails, but uh, I, I felt that was a little problematic. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think the, Richard Martin refers to them as like the babe shows, like for these episodes where they have a woman, like, and it's obviously just trying out, you know, who will be on the spinoff, but Donna refers to it slightly differently. I don't remember the exact word it she uses, but she she doesn't say babe show. So I she just says, think that's well, she runs through like uh she says like, oh, sins of the father. That that episode was biker bitch from hell, was the way she mm -hmm. described it. And I'm like, what? Like what? Biker bitch from hell. <laughs> uh I don't know. And also there's a comment about it was like once we had this female lead, what's the story we're gonna hang on her? How are we gonna make her captivating? And again, once again, I'm just like, is that a question you ask when you have a male lead? Like, how do we form a show around this guy? It's like, just, it's the same you way. You just do it. Yeah, you just <laughs> do it. And I feel like the idea that like, oh, how do we hang a story on this female character? It's like the same way you hang a story on any character. Uh, aside from the fact that if I, I, I'll say this about this episode. I think Donna Leto described, you know, Sins of the Fathers, Biker Bitch from Hell. Then she said, Patient Number Seven was like Bodyguard and everything that came with that. And now there's mm -hmm. this one, which was Mother's Passion. I can appreciate that. Like, I feel like if they, they're like, well, we're going to have a female lead. I feel like it's okay to be like, well, what makes her unique as a woman? And I feel like this idea of maybe motherhood is interesting as like, that is unique to a, a female lead, I guess. I don't mm -hmm. know. I don't mind that. It's like, uh, 
But I don't know, it just seems weird that there seemed to be so much trouble kind of figuring out what to do. And I, yeah. I don't know, I, I just, I'm, I'm uncomfortable by the whole thing. Like, it just seems so strange. Uh, um, well, also, like, uh, I, think, I think it's a problem to, like, have these tryout episodes be, like, part of the, the series. Like, Katya's story is done by the end of this episode. Like, there's no series. Yeah. In what this. is she, what's left for her to do that just she right. goes and, like, has to go figure out her life now. Right, and yeah. Donna even says that on the special yeah. feature. She was like, I didn't really like this because I was like, she was like, I don't know where it goes. I mean, what does Katya open up a private eye business? Like she can't right. avenge her daughter every episode. And yeah. when she said that, I said to myself, I was like, why did this even make it to film? Like if this yeah. is supposed to be a pilot, yet it ends in such a finite way that seems to not expand on like, where could this character go? Uh, yeah, that's I just don't I just don't understand why to even do it without like rewriting it or I mean is it really just all about like what's what's the babe's attitude like does she pop on screen and that's all we care about I don't know probably that's probably all they cared about uh yeah, yeah. I don't know it's it's really strange so let's because, let's talk because about we don't I mean to use the thing you just said we don't care we don't have that question about Mac like well what's Mac doing now it's yeah like, he's just he's just there I mean, maybe no. we should have that question because I, we should. I do kind of modern... wonder, like, what's the thrust of the show? And, uh, and in modern TV, we would know, but, you know. Right. Um, I mean, although I do feel like for this show, the, the format of, like, you know, villain of the week bringing up a different kind of moral argument is fine mm -hmm. as the thrust of the show. Like, it follows Mac along his just, like, what's life like for an immortal? Uh, but I feel like they're trying to hang something on what, what, what makes this show different. Like, what, sure. how is it not a clone of what we've already seen with a woman? it needs to be about something, um, which I think is a smart move, but they, so let, let's look about this like as a spinoff. What, what do we think? Uh, I mean, I guess we've kind of said like, it just doesn't seem to work, but uh, like, yeah, would, I mean, you, would you watch this show? Would you watch Katya spinoff? Highlander, Katya? No. no, no, right. It's not interesting. I, I, I was not super impressed with this actress. You know, the story they told with her didn't really land for me. So I don't, I don't know why I hang around for her. Yeah, I kind of don't know what this would look like. Uh, I mean, at least with like the- I mean, the I know father, she likes pesto. That's endearing, I guess. I guess so. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. So far of these spinoffs that we've seen, Patient Number 7 is absolutely my favorite. And while it may be one of the worst of these, like it's like a, it's an odd episode and there's a lot of problems with it. Like I 100% get the premise though like an immortal with amnesia like there's there's so many possible like when we discussed that episode we saw so many possibilities for where that could go and while the pilot was maybe weak the concept was strong and and, and, the and i'm finding all of this to be the concept is weak and the pilot is weak um, yeah and the characterization yeah. of like who would be the lead was like fairly strong like you like the flashback you get yeah. to see of her like it seemed you could see how it would come together absolutely yeah, like she held her own with Duncan, which was a good thing. Um, yeah. I mean, like the female lead in this is stoned to death over who she's allowed to marry or not. Like, yeah. these, these all seem like, you know, fucked up issues. I don't know that it's like, this is what the character's about. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Very yeah. strange. Uh, <laughs> weird. That's weird, yo. Um, yeah. Uh, any other things we want to say about like, how this works i don't know or, or guys i got want... i got nothing else on this bad boy <laughs> um yeah um, it's 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 a weird one i don't like i i just don't like this overall idea of like we're gonna 
try another show in this show. Like we're going to try to sell something like just make a good show. Like this episode just seems out of place. Like this, this seems yes. like another, another season's episode. Yeah. Like, I don't even think this is necessarily a bad episode. Like, no, it's not really. Uh, it's not great, but it's not like horrible. It's just kind of like a fine. It's just weird. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get this idea of like trying to sell another show in the show you have now. It's not a good it seems, use of your time. It but. seems weird. I don't know if this is common, a common thing in TV. Oh, um, good question. Yeah. If any listeners know if there's other like long running shows that did something similar to this, that like introduced the character as a backdoor pilot for something else. Uh, and at least, and, and especially with this frequency, like I guess I could see it happening once on a show. Like, hey, we brought this character in. Or perhaps it's a fluke even. Like we brought a guest star in and they were great. Uh, and now they're a regular or we've decided to give them their own show. It was so good. Uh, but yeah, this, this sort of like audition process uh, is certainly interesting. Um, yeah, it just to me yeah. reek, reeks of like not knowing what to do. Yes. And, like it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Very. It's like we're tuning in to watch Duncan. We're not tuning in to watch these new characters. You know what, what? I mean? I feel like most spinoffs in the day operated more akin to what ended up happening with the Raven is that it's based on like a beloved recurring character. It's like you're right. Carl's Winslow of the world, like right. get right. get a spinoff show, not like, hey, we we like introduced this character very randomly in the middle of a bad season of television. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah, like they're popular. Like <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. the whole point. Like Especially trying to jumpstart a spinoff off of yeah the worst season of the series. Yeah, that's it's a dubious decision. Weird. Mm. Wow. I don't know. Do you guys are you guys ready to rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. All right, yeah. Kyle, how many crossbow bolts would you give it? Uh, I was I I want to say I'll give it the exact number of crossbow bolts she brings, but I will give it a two <laughs> instead of a one. Oh, uh, well, I, just, I guess that's the total number she brings. Yeah, it's the total number she brings. I don't know. For all the reasons we said, I don't think it lives up to the to its name of justice because it's not really a meditation on, on the subject matter. It never really finds home anywhere. The ADR drove me nuts. And even that one montage that other people seemed into was not for me. So Who were the other it. people that seemed into it? You. Oh, and okay. I thought Eamon was okay <laughs> with it. I thought Eamon had mildly positive feelings. About Some it. other people were into this thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, both others of you. say, others say, people are saying this. Yes, people, people are saying, are saying this. this. Wow! All right, two for Kyle. All right. No. Amen. Uh, how many impromptu fencing matches would you give? This? Ooh, I'm gonna give this a two point five. Um, that's how many points we each got in the game. Oh, I thought I thought this episode was actually filmed really well, um, yeah. which is a testament to Mr. Richard Martin. Um, and I, I noticed it. I was like, this episode's visually nice. Like some some half-decent locations, except for the, the King's Castle. That mm-hmm. was a little underwhelming. The King's mm-hmm. Asshole was very bad. The King's Asshole. Uh, I liked the King himself. He was a good actor. Love it. Yes. Charlie Brown. Um, I didn't like his son. I didn't really like Baptista. I didn't think he was that great. Um, no. I didn't like Kachi that much, to be honest. But... This isn't like a a, a, a a horrible episode. I would skip this one though. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think I would recommend people, you know, if they're yeah. 
cutting episodes out, I would say you don't need to watch this one. Not a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, so, yeah. But I, I don't think it's bad. Like, it didn't make me angry. Right. Like, it was just like, I watched it. It wasn't torture. Mm-hmm. 2.5. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Heard it here first. Mm. Keith, how many uh, burnt, or no, not burnt, but stoned witches would you give this episode? <laughs> Uh, I think I'm going to give it two witches. Uh, two two burned witches. witches. Uh, I agree with a lot of stuff you said, Eamon, that like, yeah, this, this episode is filmed really well. And I even think I'll, I'll double down on that montage again. I like the montage. Like, that, there's a lot of shots. They had to set up all that stuff. Like, they spent a lot of time, I think, making a very effective montage. Uh, and, you know, on a budget and stuff. And they got different locations, mm. different actors, like... It took a lot to kind of put together that like maybe 30 seconds of film, uh, which is cool. I love all the kind of pushing in and dramatic stuff that Richard Martin does. That's all fun. Um, yeah, but it's just in general, like I just don't know where to, how to orient myself to this episode. Like you said, Kyle, it's not really a meditation on justice. Like it quasi brings up some stuff, but I feel like yeah. I'm not sure how the episode wants me to frame these arguments or... Like, I feel like we're bringing more to the table than the episode brought. If that By a wide sense. margin. Look uh, how long we've talked about this. Yeah, it's and I mean, so I, much. <laughs> it's, the, it's not, the problem is it's not there. And right. almost because the episode title, we're bringing it there. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I think it's fine that a show leaves stuff up to the audience to interpret and, sure. you know, uh, but I, I feel like it's just a bridge too far with this. Um, now, I did just think of something uh, kind of off the cuff uh, while we were discussing this is a spinoff. What I would have perhaps Ooh. loved, loved as a spinoff is uh, maybe, well, maybe this episode could take place a little bit in the past. This whole episode could be a flashback, uh, especially like perhaps like 80s Argentina. That would give you some, some fun flair of like- Yeah, you know, see those Coke and, parties. Yeah, that's right. Those Coke parties. Um, what might be interesting as a thrust for a spinoff would be, what if Katya does kill uh, Armando? and Mia watches it. Then the show takes place later. We also know Armando is an expert fencer. I'd like to see a show, maybe the spinoff is Katya versus her own daughter, oh. taking vengeance. Like it's her fucking aunt, it's not even her mom. It's like an aunt she doesn't even remember, but she knows her aunt killed her mom. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I could see that being certainly like ripe for tension moving forward. Uh, yeah. And also That'd we expressed fun. like in the, it's in the very first season that we thought one of the coolest parts about Revenge is Sweet. Uh, Eamon, you, you were hardcore about this. And I agree that like, isn't it awesome to have like a mortal person know about immortals and see that as like a challenge. Like I'm going to get so good. I will be able to hold my own against people that are 500 years old or 800 years old. Like I want to see that character as Mia, perhaps. Like yeah. I don't know, at least at least there's something there. Like I can see how there's tension. It like there's there's something you can explore. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, this episode is just lacking any sort of uh, further exploration or something. Uh, so it's a two. Yep. Uh, it's a bummer, and yeah, you can skip it. Uh, but it's all you know. It's fine, I guess. Uh, it's not the worst thing we've seen. <laughs> That's very true. That I can I can true. sign on to that very mild statement. Now, before we wrap up today, we uh, we do need to talk about uh, last. Keith, week- did you actually give your rating? A two. A two. We did give the two. Okay. I did give it two. Um, so the two. Uh, <laughs> last week, uh, thanks everybody uh, who tuned in to check out our Chronicle. Was it 22? 23? 20... Ooh, 22, I the I believe. 22, 22, baby. 22. Uh, our interview with uh, author Jonathan Melville, and on that yeah. episode, we announced that we are going to be giving away two copies of his book. 
so just a reminder to get those submissions in. So we're going to go over the rules once again. So we've got two copies of his book uh, to give away. It's A Kind of Magic, The Making of the Original Highlander. And so what you need to do to win a copy is write us and let us know what you think Connor McLeod's favorite book would be. And also, it has to be a real book. There's no making up books here. Uh, I, I don't think we mentioned that in the last thing. I'm sure we did. In- it has to be a real okay, book. And you have to give book. us a brief explanation of why. Yes. Uh, so 200 or 50 words. 200 or 50 words? No, 250 words or less. Uh, sent uh, to our email, highlanderrewatched at gmail.com. Again, email. I don't want to get a Facebook message. I don't want to get a Facebook comment. Don't, don't slide into our DMs. None of that stuff. It's an email. <laughs> Highlander Rewatched at gmail.com. The link is right on our Facebook account. And I just said it. It's super easy. Uh, 250 words. If it's over 250 words, you're out. out. That's not fair to the people that follow the rules. Um, so uh, again, it's going to be, it's two weeks uh, total to give it in. So week one has already passed. So these submissions are due by next week on October 6th. Uh, and so we're going to be judging on two criteria. One, if your uh, submission makes us laugh, we think it should have a good sense of humor about it. Uh, but also we do want these to, make some sense like they there should be a good reason uh why connor uh is reading this book or loves this book so much um and uh yeah and um we're gonna announce the winners probably about a week later on or about the 13th of october uh if you don't win it's okay we're gonna be sharing links links we probably have already sold uh shared some links on how to get the book um and the book is already out in the uk and there's some ways uh we've shared some details how you can kind of order it and get it from the uk it'll cost a little bit more but maybe you can get a signed copy and stuff like that uh but this book does come out uh in america on november 10th so even if you don't win the contest there's plenty of time to go on amazon you can pre-order it and uh get your copy uh and again the the interview was really uh enlightening the book is great uh so we recommend if you're a highlander fan uh, definitely get yourself a copy of this book and we'd love uh, to give it away to you if you win the contest so yeah baby that's that that's right. Love it. Buy it up. Buy, Buy it up. Sweet. Anything so, else to say about this monstrosity? I don't think so. So yeah, after we do the uh, the old contest submissions, we're going to be diving back into the series with episode 6-9, Deadly Exposure. You mean episode 69? Oh, up top, guys. All right. Hey, oh, hey. Deadly <laughs> Exposure. That's right. Very good. Well, thanks everybody for joining us this week. We have been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Amy. Bye. Bye. Bye.